0: The chorus of this song by the Righteous Brothers is, If you believe in forever, then life is just a one-night stand. If there's a rock and roll heaven, well, you know they got a hell of a band, band, band. Now, I don't believe in forever, so for me, if there's a rock and roll heaven, it's a museum in Cleveland, land, land. land." (laughs) Yes. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is 150,000 square feet of people's guitars and autographed pants. It's where the spirit of musical legends go to be glanced at briefly by people who need to poop.
1: I think you're describing the uh, line for the bathroom at Guy Fieri's American uh, Grill, formerly in Times Square. They had the autographed foreigner pants there, a couple guitars on the wall, people I never heard of, and people everybody had to shit.
0: It's for the people who can't get their pants in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. No. Every year, the Hall announces a crop of arbitrary nominees, and every year, old-ass music journalists vote in an under vote in an underwhelming batch. For example, in 2003, the Hall inducted this singing duo, the Righteous Brothers, despite the fact they gave the world this piece of shit song, which, if you ask me, is disqualifying.
1: Yeah, this is a fucking turd.
0: Yeah, one of those names. Good ones. This is not one of them. I know, but like, this kind of erases. Uh, this is why they got the in. other you ones. Think you
2: think this erases Unchained Melody? Yes.
0: This, that
3: that in the movie Ghost.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this song.
3: This song is why they got in, because they sang about this a hell is, of a band in heaven. This oh, is this there. is the it's original almost, Rock
0: and Roll Hall of Fame. This yeah. Is, yeah, This is almost an ad campaign for the Rock and Roll. This hall is probably of Fame. what gave John Rock and Roll the the idea to start his hall
2: and <laughs> and hall.
0: So, because we're so disappointed by the inductees. Me and my podcast buds a few years ago said, no more, no more lackluster inductees. From this point on, we use our podcast to make sure only the best, most influential musicians make it into the hall. Luckily for Bon Jovi, our efforts have been a complete failure.
2: Total, (laughs) total failure.
0: Oh, God. But we trudge on. Voters take noters. We know who you should vote or should not be voting for. We are the only people who know. We, the hosts of Beyond Yacht Rock, are the keepers of the 2019 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Voters' Guide. Third annual. Beyond Yacht Rock. It's a Beyond Yacht Rock podcast. Normally we do a new genre, invent it, corral the songs, count down our favorite songs from 10 to 1. Well, this is a five, so we're going wild in the fives. It's episode the fives. ninety-five. So this yeah. year we're doing yeah, our third annual yeah, Rock Roll Hall of Fame our, voters. Uh, Good, it's that our, time of year.
3: I hate this episode. My wilder Wild the fives. We, could, we could have done. We could have done the uh, uh, the Judgment Night soundtrack two other times.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's Hunter Stare over there. I'm JD Riznar. I'm Hollywood Steve. I'm Dave. And uh, we're the guys who invented the term yacht rock, so we like to throw a bone to that genre every week, because that's what you like us. So, Steve, what are we listening to this time? And I do believe this has something to do with the Hall of Fame. Yeah, this was the uh,
2: the only song I could find that had any relationship at all to any of the nominees uh, <laughs> this year.
0: Finally, Kenny Loggins
3: is, is going to get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He's going to get what he's no, got he's coming not. to him. It's Slow Stevie your Nicks. roll. Yeah. It's his
2: duet partner, Stevie Nicks, who's oh, nominated this year. Again. Uh, this, of course, is whenever I call you friend. Uh, yeah, Stevie Nicks is already in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as a member of Fleetwood Mac.
3: Well, let's uh, get her in again. <laughs> yeah. There's no one else out there that needs it.
2: So It's the same kind of question that we talked about last year with, with Shaka Khan, who was nominated two years ago and didn't get in. And they got re-nominated as part of Rufus with Shaka Khan, or Rufus featuring Shaka Khan. And they got re-nominated all together as a unit this year. Uh... But, yeah, we're, we're talking about a solo career versus previous work with a band. Who no cares? Uh, many people. Several, several thousand fans voting on the internet as we speak. Uh, Stevie Nicks, you know, she's obviously a towering figure and a major influence on a lot of artists. But, you know, in practice, because she's already in with Fleetwood Mac... In in, in in we should be judging only her solo career, and I don't, I don't like I don't know how you guys feel about it, but f- for me, honestly, her solo stuff always has left me a little Ooh. bit cold. It's just personal taste, but well, I
0: think, I just, think just like the one winged duck,
1: yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, the, the it's the white
1: winged duck. Oh, oh, I thought it was like a duck flying in a circle. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh no, it's it's a, it's a white duck. More like flopping
1: in a circle on the ground cuz a car just ran over half of it or something.
0: Just like the one-winged duck flopping around in a circle on the ground cuz a car just hit it. Uh uh oh. uh oh. It's brilliant.
3: So she had she had one pretty good solo album and then Yeah, and she then... Had,
0: she had
2: one pretty good so- like the for the first one, Belladonna, pretty good solo album. And then, there's no,
0: there. But there's no like, but, there's
2: no like one bright shining top to bottom
0: masterpiece. But she is an undeniable talent, and she's, oh, an, she's an icon.
2: Yes,
4: but,
0: and an an image icon. But, but she's of,
2: also an image icon, mostly because, because of her of, work with Fleetwood yes, Mac.
3: Yes. Maybe. Not because she had one pretty good album and then some like yeah. it's because she was an icon before she made yeah. that pretty good album. And most
2: of her solo hits were concentrated on those first two solo albums.
3: And they added to her body of work.
2: Yeah, but, but they, did they add? A, did they bolster her legacy enough that as a solo to artist, merit
3: solo inclusion? Yeah, but her, but her, I mean, but you have to look at her body of work also being part of Fleetwood Mac. Like, if if, she, if Fleetwood Mac wasn't in and Stevie Nicks solo was in, you mm-hmm. would consider her writing and her work with, I would, with Fleetwood Mac, That's and that true. would get her in. That's true. But yeah. she's already in with Fleetwood Mac. Well, Fleetwood yeah.
0: Mac is in. I guess you can look at her contribution to the band and go like, well, because of what she did in the band and what she did solo, perhaps she is able to be in as well.
3: Was it Was, like, Peter Green in for Fleetwood Mac, too? I bet you they oh, left out. A good question. I left. I bet you they left out a lot of people who met old members of Fleetwood Mac who nobody gives a shit they about. They usually just yeah, do
2: like, like the, a golden the blues lineup. era Fleetwood Mac that nobody that nobody listens to. Listen, I'm
3: cynical enough to just guarantee that he he wasn't part of the ceremony, <laughs> um, and that they definitely looked at you know the rumors era. And beyond Fleetwood Mac as as the main anyways, okay. You was,
1: remember uh, hearing the story about when Blondie was inducted and like Clem Burke and some of the guys from her band were like there and wanted to play with her, and she's like, No, this is for me.
0: That's right. I it don't is. remember that but Blondie shouldn't even be in there. What a piece of shit band. Oh, they're yeah. great. It's all image. Just say uh, that's why Stevie no, Nicks should they're be in They're pure pop magic. Uh
1: um, I mean, named themselves after a comic strip.
0: Steve, what else about this song? What's this going on song? with this song? Man, it's, uh, it's a
2: duet between Stevie Nicks and Kenny Loggins. Didn't we, uh, didn't we already
1: listen to this one?
2: Pro- yeah, We've I think we've covered this on the show before. I think it was a yacht episode, probably. Hmm. I don't remember. Who
3: knows? Go to yacht dot com, and you'll know. It's
2: mostly just a jumping-off point for talking about Stevie Nicks. Who, uh, if you check the fan vote on uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame website, uh, she's she's been running neck and neck with Def Leppard for the lead oh, in the Jesus. fan vote. And uh, Def Leppard has started to pull away, but, it, you know, that seems like a good sign. She might get in. <laughs> <Talk> <laughs> she, to, might she might get talk in. To, more, like a, we just said. more like a
1: one-winged drum.
2: Get it? <laughs> yep. Speaking of Def Leppard, I uh, I want to I wanna, I wanna talk about this on the show. I read this article about uh, how the nominating committee worked this year. Uh, they're notoriously not transparent about the process, but apparently, after Judas Priest didn't get in last year, the Hard Rock slot went to Def Leppard, because apparently you can only have one artist from each genre at a time, so as not to split the vote between deserving but relatively similar artists. And Stevie Nicks got nominated... Because the hall needs more female artists.
1: But do they uh, Do they take our genres into account?
2: <laughs> they should, but they don't. Huh. But the, apparently the, the, the female artists on the nominating committee, like in the room, were pushing Stevie Nicks as, as like their
3: candidate. Because they like knew we, she, w- th- she would get in. Yes. It was like a sure thing, so.
2: Yeah, but but think about the implications of that. Women are apparently a genre of music. You can't split the vote between the woman genre, like Kate Bush, a clear genius who should have been renominated this year wasn't because they didn't want to split the women vote. Uh, but also in in this calculation about the woman slot, they didn't really seem to take into account Janet Jackson either, who was renominated this year deservingly uh, because Stevie was the one who got the big
0: push. Oh, anyway. Janet Jackson must have filled the black woman slot, which I've seemed to notice that there is as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe yeah. that's it. Yeah. Okay.
2: Anyway, women are a genre.
0: Wow. This is that's true. <laughs> yeah,
3: that's not a joke. Yeah. <laughs> you, have you guys seen an award show recently? Yeah. Uh, Actually, really? Honestly, it's two 2018. This is we segment everybody into it and make sure everybody yeah is represented. In which. Some, most of those people probably should be represented In these things But it's so ne- becomes so cynical That it lessens everybody's work After that Because it just it's like Oh, this is this thing And this is that thing for this year
0: We'll get it right eventually
2: I, I, You know how you could get more women In the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or Kill all is, the men Well, that too But also you could just nominate 15 to 20 female artists And nobody else And then five of them would get in yeah. There you go. Bim bam boo. boom, boom, boom,
3: boom. Boom We're like, just we're just like not I don't, I don't. Get rid of it. It's stupid. This is all stupid. (laughs) Yeah. It's because you're nominating people for for a very subjective body of work.
0: It should not be who gets voted in. It should be whoever donates the most autographed pants. Yeah. You get a display.
1: And therefore, the new singer of Foreigner (laughs) would have his rightful spot in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, not next to the shitter at Guy Fieri's now shut down American Kitchen in Times Square.
2: You hear that, PJ Harvey? Donate 250 pairs of autographed pants and you yeah. can chew it.
1: Or you know what though? I think what's happened. Uh, Sammy Hagar's opening a spot in uh, <laughs> Times Square that's, that kind of took the uh, the uh, what do you call it the um, Ed Hardy <laughs> quota. <laughs> he filled it.
0: Hey. hey, guys, Sammy, you got those Kelly Hansen pants? <laughs>
1: Yeah, after after uh, Guy Fieri shut down, they were hanging over at Burgers. <laughs> <laughs> they're still here. We think they might be structural.
0: <laughs> <laughs> can't, can't take them off the wall. Uh, I wasn't gonna. Yeah. Yeah. Let me put, play this intro that our friend uh, Jeff Selby made so we can get pumped up about this episode. Here we go. Yeah, all right.
5: Rock music is one of the most difficult things
3: a Christian young person must deal with. <laughs>
5: Beyond Yacht Rock. Beyond Yacht rock. 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 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The record
1: industry is pumping sex and Satanism into the minds of little kids. Hell, Hell yeah. Oh, shit. oh yeah.
4: wow. Beyond Yacht Rock.
3: Rock.
4: Rock and Roll Hall of Fame.
3: I'm not to listen to any rock music for two weeks.
1: Woo!
2: Yeah. All right.
1: I like what was going on there. All right,
2: Steve, how are things going to work today? (laughs) All right, let's go over the format of the episode. Please pay attention so you understand why we did not spend more time on your favorite. (laughs) This year, there are 15 nominees into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Each of the four of us has picked our personal favorite artist, who is nearest and dearest to our hearts, and definitely must be inducted. We will cover each of those four artists in depth, and by depth, we mean three songs. For the others, we'll give brief or briefish yay or nay arguments so that you Hall of Fame voters know exactly what to do on your ballots, and you fan voters will be inspired to stuff the ballot box. Fan voting lasts through Sunday, December 9th, and the top five vote-getters will count as one of the, like, 800 ballots cast. Not a big deal (laughs) until you consider that the number one fan vote-getter has been inducted every year so far. And since the final vote tallies aren't released, nobody is quite sure if this happens on purpose or not. It's not a transparent institution, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame.
0: Yeah, and you know, Steve likes to say that we're doing it for you online vote, list, but really we're doing it for the... 800 other people who really matter. Yeah. <laughs> we know you're all listening and you you're you're begging for some insight. Yeah. We're, We're here to give it to you. Frankly, I just want you've to been encourage letting us down. A little
3: democratic participation. Of course, is, of course I'll in this great country. This
0: is not a democracy
3: at all. It's a no. republic. And I, well, no, I no, I'm not talking about the US. I'm talking about the rock and roll hall of fame. Yeah. And and I and I'm going to say this. It should just be if people that who are good at rock and roll and who know stuff, and I'm not one of them. Just Pick some fucking people, put them in, and then give, like, three, like make it, don't make it like the Baseball Hall of Fame. Make it like the Baseball All-Star Game. Yeah. You put in the people who deserve to be in, and then give the fans a vote for some other people. There you go. Now Bingo. everybody will get, and then people will bitch, and then you can put them in next year so you uh, make up for it.
0: It's the bitching and the controversy, I think, that gives the, the Hall the best publicity.
3: Yeah, and you know what
1: also gives them the publicity mm-hmm. is putting in the audience. The one the audience wants. That engages
3: the audience and makes them feel like they have a difference. Rock and roll is dead. No one gives a shit about this anymore.
2: I know. Everybody's dying off. we got to get all these fucking people in. Man, if there was
3: a rock and roll
2: heaven.
1: (laughs) I bet they got a hell of a band, band, band.
0: Uh, So what are we looking for in ideal inductees? You know, we all have Uh, different opinions. Musicians? Uh, You you get three (laughs) words. through musicians. (laughs) Sometimes. Sometimes it's not musicians. They
3: mainplay rock and roll?
0: They have DJs in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So you get three words, uh, if you want, or you can say more things. But for me, my three things that I'm looking for are influential, excellent, and famous. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you're looking for you're, people you're a literal, that we are
2: You're an originalist. You're yes. a strict constructionist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm. I'm also going to pick influential. And then I'm going to go quintessential, like you epitomize a larger trend or style. And landmark, like you've got some sort of classic masterpiece under your belt
1: yeah uh, prolific influential body of work all that shit
3: all right you know what easy I'm, on the eyes fucking play the guitar really well if you ever did a fucking guitar solo you know, i'll fucking put you in oh. <laughs> Ooh, i the got a guy michelangelo bader
0: yes <laughs> I, I got a guy for the he Rock had, four,
1: <laughs> he had four, he four guitar. guitar solos
0: at once <laughs> i got a guy for the rock and roll hall of fame later on in the show then in my featured artist song so cool um also, so I had, I had I did a little digging and found some fun facts about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and I had Jeff Selby make a bunch of bumpers that we could play in between the the, the famous Jeff Suggs. Selby. Yeah, the
1: famous and so yeah, it's a callback to him being brought up at the top of the episode.
4: Yeah.
0: So here's uh, one fun fact before we look back at last year to figure out how our predictions went and our recommendations. So here's a fun fact about the Hall of Fame. Oh,
3: that was Here great. It comes. <sighs> yeah. Thanks, Jeff Selby. Gotta build the
5: tension. Here
3: we go. Anger.
5: Rock and roll. roll. Hall of Fame. Fun fact. Fun fact.
3: The
4: Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has 300 rooms and over 500 pairs of autographed pants.
5: (laughs) Rock and roll. Hall of Fame. Wow. (gasps)
4: What a fun fact.
2: Yeah. PJ Harvey, disregard my advice from before. Donate 500 pairs of
3: autographed pants. Let's double it. You're a
2: shoe in
1: You can get your own 300 pants.
3: You're a (laughs) pant-in. Did did you guys go to the Rock and Hall Hall of Fame? No. I've never never been. What? Wait, hold on. (laughs) That that answer all came at me at once. No? No? No. no. Uh Uh-uh. Okay, so I'm the only one who's ever been there. The one who hates the place Uh is the only person who's ever been there. It was a a nice afternoon. I was going to ask if any of the... See, signed pants seems a little. I I want like Cynthia Plastercaster. It wasn't that her name, the Plaster Plastercaster. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Plaster yeah, I want some of those in there, and I'm not yeah. sure those are in there. I want those signed. Yeah, those should
2: one. definitely be in there. They're if you want absolutely. more female artists in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Cynthia Plastercaster. <laughs> Is a fucking
0: artist.
1: If you want more <laughs> females the through fame. the rock and roll hall of fame turnstiles,
0: <laughs> <laughs> you get, put her in there. Get some rock and roll boners, and in
3: then there. and then and then you can put some jeans on those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you know if you if you need to, and sign those, and you know have a the jean meet yeah. section.
0: <laughs> all right, well, all right, so last year uh, we how we do last we, year? We had our big right, we had our featured artist, and I featured Kate Bush. Uh, she should have been in. She Absolutely. didn't make it and wasn't renominated. You a did a bad travesty. job. <laughs> right, it was my fault. <laughs> I made a bad argument.
1: <clears throat> Hunter, how'd you do? Oh, I'm supposed to read this? No, it has your name on it. You know, it I should have well.
0: argue, you know what? I should have argued that frat boys love Kate Bush. Yeah. That seems to do it. It did <laughs> it for the Eagles. <laughs> it did it for Steve Miller.
1: Probably did it for Bon Jovi. Yep. Fr- frat
3: guys like... Looks- the Eagles and Steve Miller. Yes, oh, Fred yeah. guys
2: love Wuthering Heights. <laughs> Holy shit, it's their fucking jam. Sure Running up, up, there up that hill, it. man.
3: All right. Well, uh, my spotlight artist was Sister Rosetta Tharp, um, which is just—I was more angry than anything that she wasn't in there after I uh, found out Yeah, you know, who she was. Yeah, which—and I'm an idiot—and the people at the hall are s- supposed to not be idiots about. Rock and roll. Yeah, they're and supposed to be smarter than us. Yeah, and the fact that... But but they were at least... Um, they weren't smarter than us because they didn't elect her. <laughs> but they at least uh, made a special category and put her in that that way. They had
2: the same... Yeah, she was inducted in the category of early influences where you don't need to be voted in by the, yeah. the unwashed masses of journalists and musicians. And,
3: and so they, 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 they got into that sort of shame category... Of, hmm, this might turn into a movie before she's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and that'll be yeah, bad don't, for we us. We do not
1: want to appear uh, not in the know.
0: They probably went through the same journey that you did. Like they, you know, she was nominated. Like ah, whatever, I'm going for Bon Jovi, and, and then but they had their journey too late. They're like, oh no, she was better than Bon Jovi. Crap, I wasted my vote. Oh God, on bon if Jovi. all
1: if the qualifier to get in is being better than Bon Jovi, they need a lot more than 300 rooms. <laughs> I mean Bon Jovi's probably in the New Jersey Hall of Fame just because like just Bon Jovi and Bruce Springsteen and maybe
3: uh, I think Twisted Sister might Bon be
0: Jovi's from bon Jovi. in the Rocker Hall of Fame, bro.
3: Well, and sister, I just want to I just want to say so I'm being consistent, 2 years in a row, Sister Rosetta Tharp could play the fucking guitar. Yeah. Yeah. And sing
1: at the same time, which is hard to do.
0: Dave, what did you do? What did you uh,
1: I, uh, I said the cars, and they made it. Uh, good, good for job. you. Good yeah. job. Good job. Yeah, finger on the pulse of a nation.
2: Uh, I, my, my spotlight artist was Judas Priest. We like they cars. Did, <laughs> they did not make it, and they were not renominated. Wow. It's a fucking travesty. <laughs> wow. okay. it,
3: that is, they'll get in, Steve.
2: They, I just want them to get in before everybody starts dying off. That's true. Motorhead's not in. We're not going to have Lemmy give an acceptance speech that's, anymore. That's true. That's fucking. That's another fucking travesty. Yeah,
3: they got to start putting in those guys who lived harder instead of looking at the ones who are. Yeah, look <laughs> at who old. might die next. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. That's how they need to look. The it Rolling
0: up. Stones are all going to live to be one hundred and ten. You didn't have to put them in right away. Um, no, they had
3: to put them in a year after the Beatles. That was that was what they yeah. had to do.
0: Um, all right. So it, as we get into the lightning round, I want to tell you all how I selected each of the lightning round songs for the artists. We're going to sort of brush over real quick and just give a year. And a, uh, it was a very exhaustive process. The first step was looking up the artists on Spotify. And then from there, I looked at uh, their most streamed song on Spotify and put it into our playlist. So I use this method to help demonstrate which of these artists' songs are the most enduring in the digital age, and also because <laughs> it was super easy.
3: And, yeah. al- and also, you, you asked us if we had a problem with it, and we didn't respond. Uh,
0: yes. Yeah, so, so that
3: was also part of the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of decisions get made uh, in Dix and Denim that way. All
0: right. Let's let another fun fact from Jeff Selby get us into lightning the round lightning round. round. Same problem as before. <laughs>
5: Rock and, rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Fun fact.
4: Fun fact. Cleveland, Ohio was chosen as the site for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because it was once called Pant City, USA. Only later did founders realize it got that name not because Rockstar pants resided there, but because of all the overheating dogs running around the streets. Oh, well.
5: <laughs> rock and Roll <laughs> Hall of Fame.
3: Oh, man. Does this guy want to replace dog. me? <laughs> Jeff Selby, you want to, you want to spot?
0: I researched these fun facts. He just read them for
3: oh, me. Oh, really? You did this? Yeah. Oh, well, it's a f- true fact. Finally, it's been a while since yeah. you, since, since well, you once, did something funny. Once
1: the Cuyahoga River caught on fire, then uh, got really hot there. It was very uncomfortable for dogs. It's mm-hmm. a true story. I lived there then.
3: Well still, Jeff Selby can take my place and you can write some funny jokes and he'll be able to tell them well.
0: Okay, yeah. So we don't yeah. get
3: those uh, you know,
0: those pity laughs. He's got a great voice. This is the cure, this is their song Friday I'm in love. They're nominated to be in the hall this year. Steve, what do you think? I think a big hell yes on the cure. There's this huge log jam of
2: British alternative rock godfathers. The cure was the one to get the alternative slot this year. Fucking put him in and break the fucking log jam and start getting more of these other artists in who deserve it.
1: Yeah, I would uh, I would put them in, but I do think it's a travesty that they would get in before the Smiths.
2: Yeah,
3: and I I think they they started a
2: little bit before the Smiths. I mean, they they, yeah, but I like the Smiths better. All right, fair
3: enough. I would say the same thing about Joy Division.
2: Yeah, yes, that's a very good point. But and Depeche Mode, who got nominated last year, was like, yeah, they probably deserve it, but these other artists all kind of need to get in first. I would think. Yeah, and
3: so I think the cure obviously deserve to get in i don't think they are going to get in i think there's artists that need to be in before them but fuck it put them in yeah i don't give a shit yeah put all these people in They're put them prob- all in probably i'll put them if, all if in there's some i'll die. be surprised if somebody's on here that i say no shouldn't get in
0: well i think yeah i think these guys are influential famous and excellent so they should get into the hall oh. all right moving on
5: Rock and roll. roll. Hall of Fame. Fun fact. Fun fact. Just a few weeks
4: ago, the hall received a pair of autographed pants with one of the legs cut off. The note attached said, in the event we get in, here is my one-legged autographed pants. The sender, Def Leppard drummer Rick Allen. (laughs) It was a prank because he has one arm, not leg.
5: Hilarious Rock and Hall of Fame That's how you explain a joke <laughs> Steve
3: Yeah
2: oh, So you're borrowing my style and refining it
3: It's only totally funny when it's a prank <laughs> And you explain the prank
0: Def Leppard is getting nominated this is their song pour some sugar on me One of their biggest hits do they get in, boys? Dave, hey, what do you think? No. And uh, oh, wait. you, you called me out of order, it, so, so oh, I'm just yeah. going to
1: go ahead and read it. Uh, I, I agree with Steve.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> go ahead, Steve.
2: Uh, Def Leavard's a big hell yes for me, and here's my rationale. Bon Jovi got in last year, which made people, including me, rightfully ask how the hell they could get in before Def Leppard, because Def Leppard was a much, much bigger influence on the whole... Uh, pop metal, hair metal movement. So I think if Def Leppard gets in this year, they will rightfully ask, where the hell is T-Rex? They're our heroes. They were a huge influence on us. They've never even been nominated. So I think if Def Leppard gets in, that might be T-Rex's best chance to finally get a shot at getting in next year.
1: Okay, now I agree with Steve about the T-Rex thing, but I always thought Def Leppard was extremely overrated. However, with Bon Jovi and the bar is now set so Fucking low that Def Leppard really has a
0: chance. That's a good point. I say, get that, get out of here, Def Leppard. I don't want you in the Hall of Fame. You're not that influential and yeah, in overall yeah. a arc of music. They're, take
2: a, they're hugely influential. It's just not they don't. They're, the, the music they influenced is just not well regarded. It's a blip. Critically.
0: They were influenced yeah. influential in a blip of take, music. Take a walk in nine way, armed pieces of shit. Don't band.
2: pave the way for a hair metal, the defining music of my adolescence.
3: Don't they? I, I have a couple things. Don't, don't they have like one of the highest, greatest, biggest-selling albums of all time? Yeah, sure. The sure. Rock, is way up there. Pyro Mania is pretty, a
2: pretty rock and big roll album. Buster, so
3: when when that happens, that means that rock and roll's not dead and it's thriving. If anybody has a large rock and roll album today, it would influence a lot of kids in order to get interested yes, in, okay. into rock and roll. And so when it's that popular and it's that rocking, that can't be a bad thing. So I have no problem with Def Leppard going in the hall. Second thing, Steve, you're going to be really disappointed when your rationale for a lot of these people are if they get in, then surely they're going to allow these other people to get in because that is not not going to happen.
2: No, I'm not saying they're going to get in. I'm saying they have a chance to get nominated.
3: Oh, which is not going to happen. You just cause, think about all the punk bands who have been nominated and put in since the Ramones got in, the Sex Pistols. Were they nominated or were they put in?
2: Yeah, they were in. They didn't yes. attend and the, and uh, the yeah. Sex that's right. Ceremony.
3: Yeah, one album. They have one album. I'm just saying that it, it didn't open up floodgates. Now it's getting a little bit better. It's, yeah, getting it's getting a little bit better, but it had nothing to do with those bands getting in. No,
2: I'm, what my hope is is that Def Leppard is going to specifically say these guys are our heroes. Where are they?
3: Oh, you mean you mean the rock and roll who give back to other rock artists?
2: <laughs> <laughs> all those—that's uh, what I'm hoping. Ultra, altruistic. Def Leppard, Def Leppard fucking loves
0: T Rex. <laughs> the, the lyrics to this song would well, not exist. They're not going to talk N-Rex. about
3: themselves. Once you get they're in, they're going to talk about everybody. Once you else.
0: get in the hall, you also literally get in the hall. You get a key you can use anytime. Yeah. So Def Leppard is going to go into Steak the vents. Your friends in they're going to go into the vents during the meeting of all the voters and go like. Oh, how about T-Rex? Who said that? That's a pretty good idea. That's how right.
3: I mean, I know. I I appreciate your your hopeful attitude, Steve. Fingers fingers crossed for T-Rex.
2: Rock
5: and roll. Hall of Fame. Fun fact. Fun fact. Denim pants were first
4: called jeans when the song Rock On by David Essex swept the nation in 1974. The lyric, Blue Jean Baby Queen had music experts scratching their heads until one saw Essex perform live and point to his denim pants while singing that lyric. However, David Essex refuses to autograph those pants until Tori Amos is instated into the Hall of Fame. The Hall does not want non-inductee David Essex's autographed
5: pants. Rock and roll. Rock hall of Fame. A very
0: strong negotiation position he's in. Yeah. Craftwork. Uh, This is their song that's called The Model. Hunter, you talked about Kraftwerk before. I know you won't think they should be in. Absolutely.
2: This was was your spotlight artist two years ago or one year ago? Two years ago. Two years ago. Okay. And so this is...
3: I've become more hardened and cynical since that first episode. Um, But obviously they deserve to be in. Also, along with them and The Cure, you're... Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you're you're, 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 you're getting you're not getting those goths coming in. Like, yeah. They flood in. You give them a day, they flood heard in. Go- yeah. Have you heard of
0: goth Disneyland Day? Yeah, exactly.
2: They call it Batch Day. Yeah. A bunch of goths show up and take over Disneyland, and they fucking love it. Yeah. They
0: love that it, shit.
3: I guarantee you that would be the busiest day in Rock and Roll Hall of Fame history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You'll have
0: to start a special haul about that day. And, and in know, the hall. You
3: know what? Ohio has a very goth, very historical goth subculture. Sure. It's a very
0: depressing state with yeah. a lot of people who show that depression outwardly in their style and musical choices.
3: There's a great public access goth guy, I forget his name right now, out of in Ohio who was great and it was fun to watch. And there's, they would flood in and craft work and, and the cure would open up those floodgates and these guys influenced yeah. fucking everybody yeah. who
0: did anything with yeah. the electronics. Yes. They're trailblazers. Get them in there, yeah dummies. Yeah. Get them and, in already. and
3: they used to be a prog rock band and pretty good. A kraut yeah. yeah. rock
0: band. Yeah. yeah. What do you think, Dave? You think they should be in? Yeah, we've been over this. Cool. All right. Yeah, go back and
2: listen to episode 45 and hear Hunter's Case.
5: Rock and roll. Hall of fame. Rock and roll. Hall of fame.
4: Janet Jackson. He said... Janet Jackson
0: Wait, something happened with my presentation.
3: I just want to say that these bumpers make this episode worth it.
0: Oh, yeah, uh, they brought
3: me back, yeah.
0: Hey guys, how's it going? So I'm featuring Janet Jackson. Oh,
3: <laughs> oh really? Oh, go on.
0: Yeah, because um, I she, she's nominated, and I think that she should be in.
3: Oh, oh really? I, Do you have any arguments? That's an interesting mm-hmm. point you've made. So or I want to start. It?
0: I, I would tend to agree with I'm you, gonna, JD, uh, but uh, I'd uh, like to hear you make your case I'm, first. I'm going to quickly play this song just to get th- just to set some context. This isn't really one of my main songs here, but
1: mm. are you sneaking an extra song in? Yeah. Hmm.
0: Um, so this is Janet Jackson with Cliff Richard. Two uh, to the power of love. And uh, before I talk about the real meat of her career, uh, this is the con- This is where she came from. Where, this is where she started. Before her big first album, Control, she released two albums before anybody gave a shit. Uh, 1982's Janet Jackson and 1984's Dream Street, which included this song. Two to the power of love with Cliff Richard. Uh, if you
2: want to break a, a hot new young singer,
0: you have her duet with Cliff Richard. Yeah, <laughs> but she had very little creative input on these first two albums, which, as you can hear, have a pretty boilerplate teen pop sound. Just like and who do teens love better than Cliff, Cliff Richard? Yeah. yeah, it's just like it's, they, the producers are going, "Screw you, little girl! Let the men tell you how this works." And as you can also maybe hear. Her voice is terrible in the context of this kind of music. So with everything going wrong, in 1986, Janet Jackson literally took control. Listen to to how the Control album starts. Just listen to this little monologue. Going from that song to this. This is a story about control. Dearly beloved.
1: day
5: or night
0: awesome that's what I call a declaration of independence after two albums of record execs and her stupid dad trying to jam her into a trying to jam her square stick into a round hole Janet cut her own goddamn square hole Janet's first step in taking control was dumping her piece of shit Father Joseph as her manager after he made her do those terrible teeny bopper albums. She hooked up with producers who have some go- a goddamn point of view, and that point of view helps her bring her own grown-up voice to the music. Janet and her producers created a sound completely different than her brother Michael's, who was, when Control was released, the biggest fucking star on the planet. Right away, she's getting out of his shadow... Her producers, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, were former members of the time, hence the Dearly Beloved parallel, probably, David, mm. which meant Prince was their inspiration daddy. So Janet went from this really milquetoast music people were trying to shape her to and found these producers with a sound that she could shape to the image of the fighter she felt inside of herself.
3: I would like to say something. Yes. That's a very bold mood, being Michael Jackson's sister and adopting a sound closer to Prince than yes. him. That yeah. yeah, is a extremely big fuck you at that time because yeah. like the the rock, the like rock world was split between those two like who was gonna mm-hmm. like who to, who to side with anyways
0: yeah. and she jumped on a sound that was more original and she helped it become well more I think popular. It,
1: I think it was probably intentional to help distance herself from her brother and of not course. just be Michael's little sister of
3: course but it's still bold
1: yeah.
2: Um, also to distance her from Cliff Richard. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah.
1: And um, I wonder if she knows what MC Scat Cat's like.
0: Hmm, she doesn't because she didn't do dumb no. stuff like that.
1: I know, I've been
3: uh, asking this of a lot of people lately. I'll, I'll get I'll get into it later. Um listen, if I interrupt you, it's going to be on topic, JD. It's not thank gonna be you very that much. MC Scat Cat
0: bullshit well I'll, listen i'll listen i'll take any comment i'll just be annoyed if it's sometimes <laughs> you might talk about scat cats and things
3: do you think mc scat cat's a good lover
0: yes okay so i'm hanging out with this uh,
1: woman last night that was madonna's tour manager and i said you have madonna's cell phone number and she said yes i do and i said will you give it to me i want to know what she thinks of mc scat cat She would not give it to me So then I says to her I says Would you just call her And ask for me Again no
0: You can't lump Janet Jackson In with all these other ladies Because Janet Jackson Wasn't no teeny bopper Or no sex pot She was a confident Ass kicking lady In a button up Military style shirt She was a woman in control
2: Can anyone else hear The music right now
0: Yeah Yeah. It's pretty
1: good It's Janet Jackson It sounds great
2: just
0: my headphones, sorry. Control was the bridge between Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis' the style of Minneapolis, and the sound that would become New Jack Swing. New Jack Swing is a sound with a quote-unquote streetwise shuffle beat, unlike our Doobie Shuffle and Jeff Carr Shuffle we always talk about. Very pronounced drums that sounded like almost nothing in 1986. You could say that because of the New Jackiness... Of what will become the huge hit album *Control*, Janet Jackson was the ambassador of new jack swing, priming R&B and hip hop fans' ears for the sound that her album *After Control* would be the sound of everything R&B by 1990. *After Control* was also uh, my mom's brand of pantyhose. Oh, *After Control*. Yeah. Um, So after writing zero songs on her first two Stinker albums that her dad oversaw, uh, Janet fired her old man as her manager, went on to... Baby,
2: I got you Cliff Richard! Why are you letting me go? (laughs)
0: Uh, She went on to co-write six of the nine songs on Control. She also played keyboards and synths on the album, which have some of the more iconic synth riffs in pop history. Songs like, What Have You Done For Me Lately? We all know that one. Mm Mm-hmm. And Baby. nasty, nasty boys don't mean a thing. Mm-hmm. Boot, doot, doodly, doodly. Uh, I think oh, she was also boy. the
1: only female Jackson to sing on "We Are the World."
0: <laughs> uh, so first off, and uh, do you notice the pattern in the titles? Control. What have you done for me lately? Nasty. These weren't. This wasn't a teeny bopper album. These. This was a fighter's album. Her father thought it was stupid and it wouldn't sell five of the album's seven singles were top five hits, and Control went platinum five times, breaking sales records for a female artist. Yeah, take that Stevie Nicks.
1: And causing her to pose nude in uh, Penthouse with a boa constrictor.
3: Dave's always good with those.
1: Yeah. Now, Honestly, I was trying to do a
0: bit. Those are both LaToya Jackson. I get get the bit, yeah. I was trying to figure out how to play against it. By ignoring it. Yeah. (laughs) Which only got me going more. So at the time, and heck still, Janet Jackson was unlike any other female performer. Her image was buttoned up, tough and serious, like that all black military style clothing she would wear. She represented a new phase in feminism, the powerful woman who fights, downplays her sexuality, but who has all the feels of a fully formed human being and isn't afraid to express those feels. While Madonna was rolling around giving me boners and Cher was wagging her ass all over ships, yeah. Janet Jackson was proving that women can be iconically cool and sell music without having to present as sexual beings, an idea that Anne Murray had tried with limited success. <laughs> her follow-up to Control was a dystopian future in which rock and roll has been banned, classic called Rhythm Nation 1814, I think it is anyway.
2: Probably in the ballpark. I'd have to go back and listen to it again.
0: There's at least some tracks that may be qualified. She bucked the record company's request for whatever stupid shit they wanted, like Control Part 2 or something, and she made a concept album about social issues. And the social issues aren't quaint. They're still relevant today. There's a fictitious news clip, or was it real? I don't know, of a school shooting on that album, Rhythm Nation, that's oddly prescient, especially given the album that was released in 1989. This was also produced by Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, and the new Jack Swing is even more prominent on many of the tracks, uh, as that was pretty much the only beat in the era where hip-hop and R&B were finally starting to flirt.
2: Oh my God, will they or won't they?
0: <laughs> um, the song Black Cat that we're listening to, it demonstrates Janet's range very well. This is a hard rock sound on the harder side of the spectrum from what hard rock bands like Poison were doing at the time. It was also the only song on Rhythm Nation that she wrote entirely on her own. And her performance is flawless. She also harnesses true hard rocker spirit to say guitar before the guitar solo. Oh, that's a classic move. Yeah. Sort of
1: the reverse Def Leopard.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, and the badass guitar solo going to you'll be hearing in a little bit here, by the way, is by another former member of the time, Jellybean Johnson, who Hunter got to be in the Hall of Fame by your criteria. Yeah.
3: He plays a guitar?
0: Very well, yeah. Right. Um, those Minneapolis funk guys really know how important... Hard, here it is. They know how important hard-rocking guitar is in the song, from Prince to Jellybean Johnson. Mm-hmm.
1: Um,
2: Did Jeff Leppard say guitar on, on Rocket?
1: Yeah, but then they played the drums, and then they yell, oh, drums, so, oh, yeah.
2: and you hear... Guitar! <whistles> 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 yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, it. Kind of the opposite of Janet Jackson.
0: This album was a fucking smash of smashes. Yeah. Here's some Wikipedia fun facts about how successful it was. It was the only album in Billboard chart history to have seven commercial singles peak within the top five positions. It was the only album to produce number one hits on the chart in three separate calendar years. 1989, 1990, 1991.
1: Spanning two decades.
0: (laughs) It's uh, also the only album to produce Did that one. The album got Janet nine Grammy Award nominations, making her the first woman ever to be nominated for Producer of the Year. And her Rhythm Nation tour in 1990 became the most successful debut concert tour by a recording artist in addition to setting venue records in Japan.
4: Ooh, yeah. People
1: are big there.
0: This album sold 12 million copies worldwide. And it was my sister's favorite album. Now if that fact that Steve's sister liked it and the other shit that I said about it, Janet doesn't make you think she deserves to be in the hall. Let's talk about how she shows zero signs of influence from her brother. We already did that, but he demanded, he admitted that this album influenced him so much that on his dangerous album, he hired new Jack Swing mega producer. What, what was I forgot his name? To put the guy's name in. Yeah, no, I looked at. Yeah, it's te- it's uh, Riley. Teddy Riley Teddy Riley. Teddy Riley, yeah. Um, so Michael Jackson could get into the hot sounds the kids were into. Also, Janet's handwritten lyrics to Rhythm Nation are already up in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as part of a Women Who Rock exhibit. Hmm. Right next to her pants, probably.
1: Yeah, was, I'd like to see those pants. Um, so in
0: 1990, Janet signed a record-breaking $32 million contract with Virgin Records. Uh, and when her follow-up to Rhythm Nation, an album called Janet, was released in 1993... She dropped the untouchable freedom fighter shtick and let everybody know that she could be sexy if she wanted to. She was rich as fuck, so who gives a fuck? This album is dang sexy. She nailed this rare New Jack Swing loungey soul jam with this song here. That's the way love goes. And for the Janet album, I already said that. I didn't do my cut and paste it well.
2: It's showing her sensitive side right, songs right. about love.
0: And there's some pretty badass ones in, on this album, too. Like a new Jack <laughs> runs Droner called If. Uh, you should listen to that if you ever do a Droner, Droner genre, Dave. If by Janet Jackson is a Droner.
1: Yeah, I got one more.
0: Cool. And uh, she tried a little country flavor in a song called What'll I Do? Uh, she brings it home with another loungy jam called Anytime, Anyplace. This album sold 7 million copies in the U.S. and 14 million worldwide. Good signing, Virgin. Um, Janet took her sexuality up a notch, going darker, changing up her look with piercings and pink hair for her next album, The Velvet Rope, which dealt with themes of depression and anxiety, sadomasochism, and homosexuality. This is the album that cemented Janet's reputation as a gay icon as well. So once the 90s were over... So was the meat of Janet's career, but she emerged from the decade the second most successful artist after Mariah Carey. And goddammit, that's saying a lot. Wow. You can't unseat the queen, but go coming in right behind her, God bless you, Janet. According to Wikipedia's uh, Steve Huey of AllMusic asserted that despite being born into a family of entertainers, Janet Jackson had managed to emerge a superstar in her own right, rivaling not only several female recording artists, including Madonna and Whitney Houston, but also her brother, while successfully shifting her image from a sm- strong, independent young woman to a sexy, mature adult. Oh, so,
1: yeah, oh, that's she had that
2: insightful commentary from mm-hmm. that.
1: Writer. She had that Rolling Stone album cover that was so popular.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah remember, remember that? Kids, uh,
1: yeah, kids had to uh, turn that concert shirt inside out at my school.
0: Yeah, that was uh, her husband at the time covering mm-hmm. her boobs with his hands. And what? A, like, what? You couldn't what a, see him except for his
2: hands, so it was all naughty.
0: What an image! It says this is a different. I'm going for something new with this album mm-hmm. instead of like being a tough. A the old man
2: hand bikini.
0: Yeah, this, this album's about sex. Guess what? This album's about sex.
3: That's sex unheard of cool. in rock and roll. <laughs>
0: Um, She was the first real megastar singer-slash-dancer-slash-songwriter-slash-producer, opening the doors for the Beyonces of the world today. Also, she just had her first baby at 50 years old two years ago with a husband, a a Qatari businessman who's about 10 years younger than her. And then she dumped him. Badass, Janet. That's a woman in control.
2: I did not know that.
0: And I think she should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I think she is much more
2: deserving uh, than Stevie Nicks. I agree. If you want to go with the woman vote, vote in Janet Jackson,
0: for God's sakes. It should be easy.
2: For some reason, it's not,
0: but it should be. Second biggest female artist, or artist, period of the 90s, so eat it.
5: Rock and Roll roll. Hall of Fame. Fun fact. Fun fact. In
4: 1997, rock legend Madonna donated a pair of her autographed pants to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But she signed the black pants with a black sharpie. So you can't really see it.
5: Rock and Roll roll. Hall of Fame.
3: I thought there was going to be a pointy pants joke in there.
0: Oh, because of her bra. MC5 kick out the jams. What do you guys think? Dave, these are your featured artists a couple years ago. Yeah, do they, I, do you still agree, think they should be in?
1: I'm thinking that now that Bon Jovi's in, I kind of, <laughs> I'm kind of changing my mind on the whole thing, and I don't, I don't want to see these guys that are one of the main influences of all punk rock and everything punk rock spawned in a place with Bon Jovi. I don't think that's. But yeah, yeah, they should be in. Uh, yeah,
2: yeah, they should obviously be, and they should have been in a long time ago.
0: You know what? I, yeah, I, I'm i going to be honest. I think these guys are kind of boring. I get out of, get a, out of here, MC5. i you a, I'll say you that a, I like the Stooges better. Yeah. Your, your recording should, should be, be no crisper. Brainers.
2: You, you <laughs> kind
1: of have like a <laughs> punk rock live. block. <laughs> this, is
0: a, this is live. Well, they should have gotten a better tape recorder. <laughs>
1: yeah, you know, Purple Ray was recorded live. I can't mm-hmm. believe I'm supporting your point. Sounds Fuck like a you.
0: million dollars. Uh, sweet. So, Hunter, you're like these guys. Of course, they should be in.
3: I mean, uh, if if this stupid thing wants any legitimacy, why the fuck aren't they already in?
2: Yes.
5: Agreed. Entirely. Rock Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Fun fact. Fun
4: fact. An independent commission of fabric experts examined every pair of autographed pants in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. In 2014, they released a report revealing that the average thread count of all the autographed pants
5: was 69. Wow, 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 wow! Nice. Rock and, Rock and roll, Hall of Fame.
0: John Prine is nominated this year. This is a song "In Spite of Ourselves." I've never heard of this guy. Got to be honest, I'm kind of an he's, ignorant guy.
2: He's kind of more of like he's he's more from the folk and country world. Like he's 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 one of those like '70s singer songwriters who writes poetic lyrics and. Uh, you know, sharply defined storytelling
0: and narrative and whatnot. It's he's he's a lyrics guy basically. I'll tell you how important he was back then. His most popular song on Spotify is a song from 1999. <laughs> yeah, he's he he never had any kind of big breakout. I kind of think that
2: maybe they're trying to get somebody to take over the the folk slot now that Joan Baez got in a couple of years ago. But uh, I think I think he was probably nominated because he had a pretty well received album come out this year, and you know it's kind of mm-hmm. one of those things like, hey, let's throw him a bone. While yeah, he's still like when Rolling
1: Stone alive. gives uh, gives a new ar- an old artist five stars. This sounds like when um, I don't know, like when uh, a movie comes out with uh, some famous guy being a country music star. This sounds like the songs that T Bone Burnett writes for him.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but this is the real deal, man. I don't know. I don't. Host T
1: Bone Burnett. I
0: don't think this guy should be in, especially if we're arguing that Stevie Nicks by herself shouldn't be in. She's. I don't know. I don't know anything about yeah, this guy. I'm, I'm not. I'm not sold on him.
1: There's a rock and roll Who's he Hall singing with member. here?
0: Uh, a lady. Ah.
1: Yeah. I like. I like ladies. Yeah.
0: I think it was a lady that he was like. Romantically involved with Hmm. I forgot the story I read it once But I forgot it
1: You think uh, Kenny Loggins And Stevie Nicks uh, Hooked up?
0: Yeah it was Mm -hmm. like 1977 Oh yeah they were just kind of Like shaking hands
1: Just banging In uh, (laughs) Laurel (laughs) Canyon
0: Everyone was on coke So You know What did it matter?
1: Yeah they called it The Laurel Canyon Hello (laughs)
0: <laughs> Hunter, you got an opinion on this guy?
3: I don't know who this guy is. All right, he does. He does. Uh, he does folk music. Um, I'm never going to go to that part of the wing of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So That's, fuck it, it. put him in. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Just the
0: same-looking, dirty dude with a just big more acoustic guitar, another
3: pair of pants. I'm never going to look at. I mean, yeah. I'm sure there's there's people that need to be in before John Prine. I don't know if you need to put him in this year. I like I said, I don't know enough about him, but you know. Yeah, whatever. I know he's
2: got a great critical reputation,
0: but honestly, I don't know his catalog very well. I don't know enough either.
3: It's not really my forte.
4: And the fact that we don't really know this guy means nobody else should.
0: Forget everything you know about him. Catch up to us.
5: Rock 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 and Roll Hall of Fame. Fun fact. Fun fact.
4: The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland, Ohio only has one security guard on duty at all times. So you can ignore that Do Not Touch Carl Perkins Pants sign.
0: And go ahead and touch Carl Perkins
4: Pants.
5: Rock and roll. Hall of Fame.
0: It's the rock and roll thing to do. Pants touching. Radiohead nominated. This is their song, Creep. I, we all know it. We all know that Radiohead is a wonderful band. They're artsy-fartsy. Every critic mm-hmm. loves them. Yeah. A lot of a lot of millennials like them a lot. I like their first two albums, and I stopped understanding them. Uh, Maybe oh, the, up to their okay, third album. OK
2: Computer is like on the short list of greatest albums of all time, and so, they should be a no-brainer to yeah. get in. I think they've got a good shot this year because... Just because oh. of, like, the, the relative lack of, like, classic rock radio, you know, third tier, fourth tier, those type of bands. Like, those those type of bands are... Pre, like, they're, 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 there aren't many left. You're going to have to start putting a different type of band in. Well, these guys I are... I think Radiohead wow. has enough of a consensus candidate like the, that they could... They're the last rock band. Yeah, they're
0: like the last ones.
2: Like Nah, the White Stripes are the last rock band.
3: <laughs> that's that's like one guy and a drum. Like, this is a this is like a rock... This oh, is, you're
2: talking about a real band band. A
3: band... Like, these are the last... They're the last band. Maybe... Maybe there was a time when Arcade Fire had a chance, but they just... They went yeah, all no. artsy-fartsy and, and, and even though... These guys get accused of going artsy fartsy. They stayed pretty rock and roll throughout their their careers. Even the
0: electronic stuff.
3: Yeah, even the electronic stuff.
0: I you think that like, there'd be room for like they're gonna put Weezer in and stuff once they run out of rock bands like Weezer and like
3: Well they they have a lot of stuff to mine in the nineties, but yeah, I mean these true. guys are post ninety I mean this is their worst album. Yeah. And this is their this is the signing, sounding like the bands from the nineties.
0: Yeah. Um Sound like Soundgarden's not in yet, and like yeah, they'll, they, they'll get all those bands in.
5: They're
2: gonna need to get more of these bands in while people still give a shit. That's true. Uh,
3: they might be too late. I mean, maybe I'm just getting old, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm, I'm I would like like I would like a band with a good guitar in it that I could listen to that's new and that doesn't sound like somebody else. Like there's I, people are like, oh yeah, gotta check this band. I listen to them, they sound exactly like somebody else. Yeah, and they and. That's why these guys, for for me right now, I think they're the last big rock band that's not...
0: And another another thing that's going to be interesting as the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame goes forward is that, like, the way we consume music has changed, so it's difficult to go, like, this is a song that from an album that sold 100 million copies worldwide that doesn't exist anymore yeah
2: this album streamed 30 million streams okay so it might have
3: been their manager i mean we'll be we'll be able to do it but everything's split to such niche stuff like yeah. there's bands out there but they're like there's stuff that doesn't cross anything and it stays very very pointed to their areas of
0: of the internet, mm-hmm. yeah,
1: it's genres fine. are too arbitrary now, and I, for one, don't want to be a part of it. Well, <laughs>
0: well you have f- five more episodes. <laughs> I got good
1: um, news for you. To me, radio—I—I I didn't get into Radiohead the way a lot of other people did. Um, kind of like, like to me, this is the pearl jam spot from last year. Yeah, they're—they're they're a fucking shoe in, mm-hmm.
3: or what the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame calls
0: a pant in. I mean, that- oh sorry, oh oh no. Oh. Go ahead,
3: Hunter. I was just gonna say, if you, if if you're ever considered the greatest rock and roll band of all time, or or living, yeah, yeah I have or in, at the, in the moment conversation, yeah, then not just in the conversation. I think Radiohead was for a significant amount of time the greatest rock and roll band. Of their era, of their era, yeah. or, or touring essentially, mm. like this, I got to go see this band. This is the biggest band out there, better
1: me. than Hootie and the Blowfish.
3: Well, for time, yeah, mm. you know, not not for, but, but yeah, if that's you, an if, arrow window. If you have that moniker, then you should get in, and you don't have to wait twenty years. And like that's mm. the that's the Pearl Jam thing. Yeah, better than Dead Eye Dick.
4: Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Rock and Roll Hall
5: of Fame. Todd Rungren.
4: I'm repeating what he's saying, Todd
5: Rundgren.
3: I guess it's my turn. Okay, um, let's see what I write here. I like Todd Rundgren.
1: (laughs) Good start.
0: Good start. Yep.
3: (laughs) Um, he's one of my faves
1: Yeah, this sounds like a book report I wrote about Call of the Wild when I was in 6th grade
0: <laughs>
3: There was a lot of wilds and there was a few calls Buck is a dog Um, yeah Alaska's
2: al- a land of contrast
3: <laughs> Although uh, as prolific as he is, uh, I certainly don't like all this stuff I'm going to admit that right away mm-hmm. That's the, one of the things about Todd Rundgren um, so I, so I don't think he's necessarily God's gift to music. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of fluff out there. Um, but he does deserve to be in the in the Rock and, and or Roll Hall of Fame. Um, if this husk of boomer nostalgia wants to remain legitimate. <laughs> I, I wrote that down um, to make sure I didn't forget it. Uh, you know, T- Todd put out a lot of albums. And uh, this is probably his most famous song. Just arguably. Uh, this is Hello It's Me uh, You probably knew this And it's his highest charting at number 5 this is, this is his biggest song And it only made it to number 5 And it's his only top 10 hit um, But he wrote it when he was 19 And he put it out with his first band Naz in, or <laughs> The Naz oh. In 1968 <laughs> Quick uh, glance,
1: right? that's problematic Looks like Nazi is what I'm saying Oh it does? Well, it he wrote Naz have you been,
3: in. Have you been reading
1: again? No these these uh, these glasses oh. are uh, the what do you call it's them? It's the Nazi glasses. No, he putting them on the 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 trans not transition. It didn't
3: become a hit until 1973, a year after it was released again on Something Anything. Great album. Um, it is a great album, and um, but it was a five year burn. And, you know, uh, but a good burn since uh, this was the kind of introspective, sappy ballad uh, where Todd really shines. And uh, even if it is uh, very one-sided and essentially a breakup song, putting all the blame on the other person and making himself the victim, um, at least it's sentimental. Yeah, that's the
2: whole point of breakup songs, is to blame the other person so you feel better.
3: This should have been called Hello, It's Not You, It's Me. (laughs) Um but uh, yeah, it, yeah. It's, but it's still a great song. This is, how, this is how you make a great song. You make a, a, what would be an unpalatable me- message and make it very sweet and nice uh, saccharin, and you can take it down and be like, man, that guy totally boned me over, but what a song. <laughs> and that's what he does. This, that's Todd Rundgren. Um, and, and that's a lesson that I think every rock and roll uh, artist out there learned from Todd Rundgren. I would let him down easy. Uh, so uh, let's let's do this fast here. Todd's, Todd is 70 years old. He was born in Philadelphia in 1948. He was a beatlephile and a general rock and roll devourer. He listened to a lot of music, knew a lot of music. The guy was a bit of a savant. Um, he started a blues rock band called Woody's Truck Stop, terrible at names, and uh, <laughs> then moved on to uh, form the psychedelic garage band Naz, again, terrible names, Who were underappreciated after three albums, not really getting noticed till the uh, compilation Nuggets came out in 1972. And uh, by then, Todd had moved on to solo efforts, efforts being inspired by Brill Building writers like Carole King and especially Laura Niro. Niro, it's Niro, right? Never
0: quite sure. I get Niro. Rock and Roll Fame.
3: Um, he's, he start- I have no
0: idea. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Anyways, he very influenced. I think he met her um, he, and told her he loved her and you influenced him. Uh He started with, uh, his album started with Runt. Uh, wait, wait. He started with Runt. With, uh, oh, he started with Runt and would go on to make 24 studio albums, including last year's White Night. He ah. also performed with the prog rock band Utopia to satisfy a harder and funkier rock yearning. Um, and he had tel- 10 albums with them. And, uh, I didn't realize Utopia had
2: 10 albums.
3: Then, I, uh, one, one technically was Disco Jets, which, which was released recently, relatively recently, but I, I count it. Um, and then, this must be uh, mentioned, he was the lead singer of the new Cars, mm-hmm. replacing Rick Ocasek, and they had three original songs. Um, How
0: are they? Are they rundgren Do they have a lot of influence on the new Cars? No,
3: they're very Cars-y, okay. but you can still hear Rundgren yeah. in them. Um, uh, anyways, it's a damn, it's a damn shame Todd wasn't uh, nominated last year when the Cars got in. That would have yeah. been a fun, fun time. Could have had a New Tom Cars C. reunion. Could have had a New Cars. Wow! Reunion.
0: I'll tell you something. I'm just, getting, I'm just getting into Todd Rundgren in my life, and the fact that I'm using an adjective Rundgreny means I've heard enough to realize what a unique sound he has, and I've also heard the sound a lot in other bands he's had influence on he's worked with he's infused his own sound into groups yeah. that would go on and
3: can i knock a little bit of that down a little sure i mean i i think i talk about it but it's definitely carol king king this is yeah this is
0: very yeah this song is very carol Kingy. yeah
3: and when he took that and ran with it
0: yeah um anyways
3: and said said his sorry to a lot of said sorry to a lot of women along the way um all right let's move on Okay, so you hear that? Hear that sound, guys? Yeah, this sure is a unique sound. This is very Todd grinny, which is, uh, hey, fans, you want to listen to this? No? Well, here it is, anyways. <laughs> um, here's one. I'm uh, I'm picking this one for the catchiness of the tune, tune, and it it is very catchy once yeah. it gets into it. It's like the uh, barking dogs jingle bells. <laughs> it, it, it gets better. It just has to start catchy. up. In and it's, uh, it's for its production. And you know what's and I can talk about this a little bit later. Hall & Oh, yeah. yeah. That's, so
0: that's so that's who I didn't want to mention because I thought maybe you may talk about them. Oh, like, you can uh,
3: mention
1: it, whatever.
0: Yeah, okay. Nothing well, I say, he that produced
1: important? a good chunk of not He just
3: one album. Well, I'll talk about that. That's, it's a good chunk.
0: But his sound continues in Hall & music. Uh, absolutely, but it's Philadelphia.
3: Um, uh, okay, so I chose this for... Because it's a catchy tune and for its production. This is uh, something to fall back on from a cappella, or a cappella, really, if it's Todd Rundgren, I bet it's pronounced a cappella, from 1985. So here's a story that I think illustrates one of the things I love about Todd Rundgren. Um, So he had a long-time collaboration with Bearsville Records, a label owned by Albert Grossman, who was known for uh, managing Bob Dylan and uh, the band Janis Joplin. Uh, Todd was sort of Bearsville champion. He started at the beginning, and he was always on there. He was a stalwart. Um, So the 80s are here, and Todd decides to leave and uh, had some sort of falling out, um, and, uh, and so he signs with Warner Brothers with a three-record deal. But Warner Brothers, uh, this is the deal: they can decide uh, if the el- if the album that he makes is is a commercial album and count it with the with it with the three, or if it's just Todd fucking around and doing the most unlistenable thing possible to alienate his audience. <laughs> Um, but also, at the same time, stretches art- artistic wings. So he can um,
0: make those.
3: Yeah. So, so and those ones wouldn't count towards the three. Um, but the Warner Brothers would still have to release it um, without any publicity. He wouldn't spend any money on it, and Todd would get all the money from the album sales. Uh, so guess what Todd decided to do? He's he's gonna make an album that's a hundred percent only his voice put into a floppy disk using synth called the Emu Emulator, and spit it out and spit out all the instruments onto the album while he sings over it. Brilliant, right? You know that's that's a cappella, acapella, and uh, what should and uh, what should. Fail did provide some listenable tunes, which is what this, because even when he was trying to not be uh, listenable, he still got rundgren on on a couple of songs, and this is, a, this is a pretty good song.
0: How did this do commercially, this album? Did he make some money? Uh,
3: no, well, that, well, so that's the thing. This is, so this is kind of what Todd Rundgren said. He's like, a hun- I have 100,000 fans uh, mm. that are going to buy my album yeah. no matter what I do, so I'm going to make money uh, on that. Great. So I don't care. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know, I don't think he ever uh, finished that record contract with Warner Brothers. <laughs> um, but it's this pig-headed arrogance and grandeur mixed with sentimental regret uh, that we heard in the first song that I fi- I love, I find that intriguing. Um, but also his work ethic and obsession of, of the technical aspects and, un- and his unfearing early adopter attitude that I think separates him. Um, from being the usual tor- tortured o- artist
0: you know my one of my favorite todd runger songs is we could still be friends which is off that album the hermit of mink hollow where he went up to a that's cabin and just what that's
2: a good album yeah
0: he just fucked around with different instruments there's so much like interesting stuff he does in that album, and he creates a great like sentimental what, what do you call it uh sentimental regret your sentimental regret yeah that song is a beautiful ballad of sentimental regret anyway continue
3: um yeah somebody who who makes saying he's sorry a sport i really like todd rundgren um another reason he deserves the hall of fame status was so the reason uh, this is the main reason i'm I'm playing this song because he produced the hell he had to produce the hell out of this fucking album in order to make it listenable um so the so the reason he deserves another reason he deserves hall of fame status was uh, taking these traits and turning them into basically being a super du- producer of albums like Meatloaf's Bad Out of Hell, the New York Dolls' debut and their second album, um, Ecstasy's Skylarking. He produced Bad Out of Hell. Yep. No. Ecstasy's Skylarking, Bad Fingers, uh, Straight Up, Grand Funk Railroad were an American band. Patty uh, Smith's Wave and War Babies by Hall and Oates. Um, who I really think Todd was a mentor to. And uh, that, that Philly sound is, is really in both their catalogs. Uh, War Babies is extremely unappreciated. But if you listen to it, if you really listen to it, listen to the album before it and listen to it, listen to the album after it. And you can really hear. It's the first time Hall & Oates learn how to sort of, com- I put, I put Combine. Uh-huh. I, I spelled Combone
0: uh-huh. <laughs> And then I Changed it
3: to Combine And I and I figured Combone would Probably be better So I yeah. changed it It's the first time Hall & Oates Really learned to Combone the magic Of She's Gone <laughs> With their more Rocking stuff uh, And and they Kind of sent On their way start stardom After, uh, after Todd Runner. This Runger.
2: song's Giving me a Combone It's <laughs> <That's> really good
3: <laughs> So War, War Babies Is not that great Of an album it's, it's a good album but it's not a great album it's not a great Hall of Notes album but you, can, you hear him putting it together anyways and that's Todd Rundgren and all those albums I've probably named if you looked up the stories behind the albums I'm sure all the artists said we hated Todd Rundgren <laughs> and uh, we only had to put his name on there and we redid a bunch of stuff <laughs> but still Todd Rundgren had a fucking part in those albums um, so to summarize Todd Rundgren is a a, a palette of wonder is a tapestry of emotions, and uh, I'm going off the top of my head here. Uh, no, Todd is a sweet, kind, abrasive, independent, stubborn, self-involved rock and roll weirdo, and the music would be, and the music world would be a far worse one with without him, especially rock and/or roll. Uh, this is one of my favorite albums. Um, it's really good. <laughs> which is what it introduced me to Todd. Uh, I found this oddly shaped, colorful. LP, LP called A Wizard A True Star. And you see the corners of it were all cut out and it was all like crazy. It's a, it's a great album to find in the dollar bin. Um, it, 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 the album is basically, it's a trip through musical genius from like sort of sweets inspiration to rock star excesses and ego and postures and, and towards like this the inner influences drive him towards a sort of deeper meaning in his music. This this whole album runs the gamut.
2: Yeah, and it's it's one of his proggiest, and I, I got to see him do it live. This was about the entirety. time he.
3: I think Utopia was his backing band, technically his backing band on this okay. one. Okay. Also, yeah. the Brecker Brothers.
2: I, yeah, I saw him do. I don't think any of those people were were playing with him, but I saw him do it live a few years ago in its entirety. Oh, it you saw the entirety
3: show. one. Yeah, was,
2: I missed was, that, it was, it and was I got great before. show. He okay. did like. A bunch of weird-ass costume changes throughout. It was, it was, it was really fun. Yeah,
3: that was one of my bigger regrets because I
2: should have worn my Todd Rundgren t-shirt tonight. I Aww. Forgot about it. What, what are you? i to take your shirt off and I'll phone? write
0: Todd Rundgren on your chest with a sharpie.
1: <laughs> well, I think in the spirit of uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, we should give him some Todd Rundgren pants. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> so, so this album was. One of those art albums he makes after he makes it a was commercial a really
2: album. arty, arty art album.
3: Yeah, he made this right after something anything, um, which was just pure pop honey. Uh, there wasn't really a single on this album; it was mostly snippets of creative, like flash floods. Um, but I picked this song, "Just One Victory," uh, because it's a sweet little bit of hope at the end of the album, and and one of the few fully realized songs. And uh, I picked it because. Uh, it's a great little tune on my favorite album, but mainly because at the end you get a taste of Todd's ability to fucking rip it on the guitar, and yeah, it's something often that gets forgotten about uh, Todd Rundgren. That he's a multi instrumentalist and he he's fucking great at it. And he when he really busts it out, especially the guitar, uh, he can really show. He show he's a fucking show off, really, when he does it. He's kind of like uh, Prince V One, you know, without really that raw sex appeal. Um, and that you really forget how awesome he is at that at the thing that makes rock and roll move—the electric guitar. You can forget Prince is an amazing guitar player. Oh my God, yes! And it's always um, awesome when he like just busts it out, and you're like, "Oh yeah, forget." Yeah. Um, Todd ha- has a little bit of that in him, um, and and if you look, if you look, you don't. It's he hides it well on this song. It's at the end. Um, but if you look at, if you go and, and look at his live performance of this on, say YouTube, you can see him uh, shred the shit out of this song. And a, a side note, he really seems to thrive on Midnight Special. Um, first, he had that sad butterfly supervillain thing going on. The
2: mighty monarch.
3: On uh, yeah, he was, he was the original monarch on uh, and on Hello, <laughs> It's Me in 1973 and Midnight Special. Um, and then he fucking absolutely kills this guitar solo in uh, 1978. Um anyways there's probably loads more more intelligent things hear to this say. Solo. I think it's before this. Hold on. No, there it is, you hear it. Oh yeah. You can you get a little bit before that. I probably could have put a little given you a little snippet so you can hear him do it. but uh, i
2: really I, I really like that song. i I listened to it uh, to calm my nerves before game seven of the
0: the Cubs World Series. This is a beautiful song, and it is is Run This uh, is what I would call Run Yeah,
3: and there's probably loads more things to say about Todd that are far more intelligent because he is an artist and he's multi-layered. and um, you probably have to be a musician to really fully understand him, I guess, or maybe a songwriter. Yeah,
2: he has a a lot of technical knowledge that would be over most of our heads.
3: But one of my favorite things, it never made him really unproachable, one of my favorite (laughs) things, I think it's on Something Anything that when he, there's a point where he he, uh, devotes part of the song to, hey, audience, we're going to play a game. Um, It's Sounds of the Studios. And oh i remember that bit it's so fucking nerdy it is it's, but I, but i i like technical aspects of it. and so he plays like like uh like bad recording stuff that you're gonna hear on albums like when somebody fucks up and then he's like listen to this he's like that <laughs> <laughs> anyways he's like that's a bad dubbing and then he's like you're we're gonna play a game and you can listen to these for these find these things in my album <laughs>
0: <laughs> um and on Herman of Mink Hollow, he, he's doing all these sentimental songs, and good rock and roll songs, and then they hit you with onomatopoeia, which is a song that hits, like, every onomatopoeia in the English language. It's super nerdy, it's super clever, and it's really catchy. The guy's great.
3: So if I could just kind of put a button on this, he deserves to go to the hall because he can write a damn good tune, he can test the limits of the medium, and he can produce some damn fine albums, and let's not forget, he can fucking rip it on the guitar.
2: from the Less Than Zero soundtrack and then later his own Walking With a Panther album. This is the renominated LL Cool J with Going Back to Cali. Walking
0: With a Panther. What a great album.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's a song where LL goes back to Cali and then turns down sex with a bunch of hot, horny women. I assume because he's ambivalent about Cali. Uh, maybe he could have improved the chorus by changing it to I'm going back to Cali. Man, I'm ambivalent.
0: <laughs> but how do you rhyme with ambi- ambivalent? He's a rapper. I'm sure he, I'm, any e- rapper with a, with a
2: solid vocabulary can figure out some kind of way to rhyme ambivalent.
0: He's an 80s rapper. Oh, oh Dave came up with it. What yeah, did you say? Equivalent. Oh, okay. yeah. uh, Magnif-
2: is
1: it- Magnificent is sort of a...
0: Going back Jackie, to Kelly, Can you make that work in the meter? Man, yeah. I'm ambivalent. I forgot your word. I'm so tired. Equivalent. <laughs> when it comes to feeling meh, there is no equivalent. Thank I, you. That sounds
3: like a good 80s rap. Yep. Uh,
1: Maleficent, the... The uh, villain
2: from Sleeping Beauty, yeah. 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 All right, human thesaurus,
0: stop putting me to shame. It's more of a human rhyming dictionary. Let, let's <laughs> deep... That's part of <laughs> this <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey, for somebody who doesn't like rap that much, you really missed your calling. Yeah, I
1: guess so. Come
2: up with all these rhymes off the top I was, uh
1: now? I was up rapping in front of people last weekend. Oh. I was doing all the raps from Operation Ivy.
2: <laughs> Steve,
0: what, what else is?
2: First, I want to ask Has anybody ever actually seen Less Than Zero? Because yes. I've
0: never
1: seen it. No. I've no.
2: seen Less Than Jake.
0: Speaking I, of ska I'm bands.
2: I'm sure you have.
3: <laughs> I have. What's what's the movie like? Um, uh, it's a it's, yuppie. It's not a one. It's really depressing because it's a, just a. Dis, it's you watch uh, Robert Downey Jr. descend into basically a drug addiction that puts him that turns him into basically a gay prostitute in right, Palm but Springs. Right. what happens in the movie? What? Oh.
2: <laughs> it was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well,
3: you, that's what I mean. You actually get to see that happen, and um, James Spader. Is you get to see him become the ultimate villain with a role he was made to play. Yes, it, yes, yes. Um, Andrew McCarthy, he was supposed to be the straight man, but he was, you know, he always looked kind of coped out. Um, it's just, it was kind of like a yuppie uh, post high school. I don't know, like, a, this is what's like. Going back to my super, uber rich friends and half of them just became drug addicts type of thing. Hmm. So it's a fun little tale about that. Fun little jaunt. Yeah, of, of 80s LA. I, well, it's, it's, I only, it's well shot and uh, well acted and well directed. Okay. Well written. I
2: only researched the soundtrack.
3: I was, I was going to ask if this is, so Andrew McCarthy, I think he went to, probably went to some Ivy League school and then came back to Beverly Hills. So I'm, I'm guessing this one the song was right on the nose of that, maybe when he was coming back, but I don't remember when this was played. This may have been at a Palm Springs party while it was going okay. on. There.
2: Yeah, there's there's not much other original material uh, on the soundtrack besides this, other than a, a Roy Orbison song co-written by Glenn Danzig. It basically just sounds like a rewrite of an old Roy Orbison song. Uh, Glenn also sings a semi-title song called You and Me, subtitle Less Than Zero, with a backing group called The Power and Fury Orchestra. And I listened to it, and they don't sound powerful, furious, or orchestral. They just sound like a roots rock band from the late 80s. Uh, The rest of the music is mostly covers. Uh, The other big hit from this this soundtrack was the Bangles version of Hazy Shade of Winter. And then there was stuff like...
5: Uh oh, JD's not. JD steps oh, away from the. Uh...
2: Roxy, if you music. could uh, restart. <laughs> going oh back boy, this is just all gone to shit.
3: The time, there was no
1: oh my way, god.
2: No oh, there.
1: <laughs> okay. Holy
2: moly!
3: Spoilers.
2: Oh. Uh, oh, we
3: got a few minutes before it happens <laughs> <So> big, again.
2: <laughs> the other big hit was the Bangles cover of Paul Simon's Hazy Shade of Winter. Oh, that's a good there one. Was a, yeah, that was a good one. And then there was stuff like Slayer covering Inagata Devia. <laughs> Poison did rock and roll all night. Aerosmith oh. did rock and pneumonia and the boogie-woogie oh, Jesus flew.
1: Christ. None of, none it's like of, everybody <laughs> lost the bet. <laughs> <laughs> including the uh, audience member that bought that... Uh, Soundtrack. Man. None of those
2: are what I would have called creatively successful.
1: No, and so uninspired. Oh,
2: hey, we're Slayer. Let's do Inagana de DaVita. I mean, the, the riffs sound a little bit like Slayer, but then you you try to do the vocals, and and that's not... Sounding like that is not Tom Araya's wheelhouse. I,
3: it sounds like there is a bit of a crossover between sort of the... the it, it, it's going to be a... A compare, a contrast, and compare of the 80s, the six, the 60s drug culture. Meow. Okay, 60s drug culture, and now the drug culture in the 80s, and how much rougher and terrible it is. It's not uh, the summer of love. It's Slayer doing Inagata de Vita.
2: That's a really good explanation of that. That's very insightful.
3: Mm. JD, everything was fine while you were gone um i assume the song ended what no i found all the dead parts on your uh your mouse
0: (laughs) oh yeah yeah
3: a hundred times
0: yeah Yeah. i'm glad you guys worked it out and now dave and i have drinks yes thank you for that Mm -hmm.
2: all right let's talk about ll cool j's long ass career and why he's extremely qualified for the rock and roll hall of fame he started his career when he was a teenager back in 1984 his first album, Radio, helped launch the production career of Rick Rubin. Along with Run DMC, he was one of the first hip-hop artists to cross over to the pop charts and to make consistent, cohesive albums. He helped advance the art of lyrical technique and was kind of a bridge between the old school and the late 80s golden age. He had one of the first extended high-profile rap feuds with Cool Moe D, uh, which he won. Oh, the Cool Wars. Yeah. Rock and Roll of Cool Wars. Uh, He invented the idea of the rap ballad with his first top 20 hit, I Need Love. I'm not saying it holds up, but it didn't break new ground. Uh, After being branded a pop sellout over I Need Love, he recorded Mama Said Knock You Out, got his street cred back, which is not easy to do. He scored his biggest pop hits in the mid-90s a full decade into his career with the more R&B-sounding Hey Lover and Loungin'. Which was very difficult, very difficult for old school rappers to do. And then he said, "I've had enough of this street
1: cred."
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: and he wrote uh, that shark song.
2: A lot of a lot of old school rappers that couldn't couldn't make it, you know, that that far down the road because their 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 rhymes were too squared off to appeal to modern ears. But LL was adaptable and versatile, and he kept improving his technique over time. Then he he wiped the an way actor. of uh, Ice tea. Ice T still cool. Yeah, Ice Cube was the actor. No, they both so were. Oh, Ice yeah. Oh, no, yes. No, you're right. Ice T, yeah. Ice T was also on a crime show. And Vanilla Ice, all the ices. But Ice T is cool
3: because he still plays with body count.
2: Yes, that is true.
3: And uh, yeah, they just came out with an album this year, didn't they? Yeah, I think they're playing. Yeah. I think they're playing the the local Ozfest. If anybody wanted to go, I think on Halloween. <laughs> I
2: missed Body Count.
1: Yeah, I think that I think that local Ozfest has become like really low tier.
3: No, it was a, it was for, it was at the forum, mm. and it looked pretty cool, uh, and I almost went because because Body Count was there and some other cool things that I might have wanted to see, but then I remembered
0: I don't like doing things anymore, so I didn't go. Solid reason to stay home. Mm-hmm. I don't
2: think so. Anyways, anyways, so LL Cool J. Uh, A decade into his rap career, then became a successful actor in both TV and movies. Your parents can still watch him every week on NCIS Los Angeles. Uh, With Linda Hunt.
0: (laughs) Their chemistry is undeniable.
2: I'm not familiar (laughs) with their work together.
0: Uh, I'll have to check it out. You believe they can solve crimes together (laughs) in the Navy... (laughs) crime-solving unit. In in, in our local Navy crime-solving unit. Not to be confused with the ones in any other city.
3: (laughs) They go from port to port, those
0: detectives.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Not to be confused with Ice-T's work on Law & Order
0: S.D.U. Uh-oh, Linda Hunt. It looks like a movie star got killed on a battleship.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Boy, good thing it happened on a battleship, so we've got jurisdiction over it, LL Cool
0: J. Let me throw you up on that battleship, Linda Hunt. You're small. And I'm ripped. You still are
2: ripped, especially for your age, LL Cool J. No wonder ladies love Cool James.
3: That was good, guys. Thank
2: you. That is a
0: direct quote from post- <laughs> <laughs>
2: a real script. LL Cool J's last big hit was in 2006. It was the Top 5 Control Myself featuring Jennifer Lopez. And his last album to date was in 2013, same year he duetted with country singer Brad Paisley on the uh, well-intentioned accidental racist. Uh, That's almost 30 years. That's an unheard of longevity for hip hop where a lot of artists make a big initial impact and then run out of new ideas. While a legion of imitators watered down their innovations And that is a rock and roll hall of famer right there If you ask me
3: And his hat's like a shark fin And my favorite thing about LL Cool J Is he started uh, doing this thing Where he put, pushed one pant leg of his sweatpants up And all the white guys in, in, in school would do that
0: It's because he liked to ride bicycles mm-hmm. <laughs> is, that, is that why? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah Cool Going back to Cali, they have. It's also why legs. I had the shark fin
1: hat help him oh. go faster. Yeah, that's true.
0: Right. Hey, does anybody? Does
2: everybody agree that LL Cool J is a Rock and Roll Hall of fame, or Anybody have any objections?
0: Yes, yes. You know, I think I think when you talk about hip hop and longevity, I think you've got um, LL Cool J's up there along with Onyx and Bone Thugs and Harmony. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, Main um, really Source, like this. House yeah. of Pain.
3: Yeah. Yeah. You I'm starting to have uh, second thoughts on on this full merging of hip hop with the rock and roll Hall of Fame. I I think a lot of earlier uh, rappers, hip hop artists, um, probably there is crossover from from a lot of the use of sampling. But sampling isn't really done much anymore. Yeah. (laughs) because it's not free anymore because you have to pay people now right and so that crossover isn't really there and so now it's just basically become this pathetic thing of well we have to stay relevant because rock and roll is dead so we got to start putting people in right
2: i I I think there are uh, a good chunk of of artists who you would put in the hip-hop hall of fame that might not necessarily belong in the Rock and Roll Hall of fame. But
3: here's the thing. There, and, and there, I think there needs to be a split of where a hip-hop Hall of Fame can go and do its own thing. And
0: No. No. I disagree.
3: Really? And do
2: you There's think we why. just have a hip-hop wing of the Hall of Fame no. and put everybody who deserves here's it in? Here's why.
0: When the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was formed, rock and roll was the only cool, influential music that there was. It was the only thing that had that attitude that shaped pop culture and people consumed it on a large scale universally. So? So what I'm saying is now a different kind of music uh, uh, has taken taken over that attitude. The problem is, oh. it just isn't called rock and roll, See, I but it's got that attitude that rock and roll used to have. It's got that influence. It's got that importance. It's got, it's got gravitas. that cachet. Yeah, it's yeah.
3: It's complete. It's a completely different musical form at this point. It
0: doesn't matter. It's like the cultural yes, it impact. it It absolutely that the music does. It's has. why
3: the, it's not. We don't put it, like maybe John Coltrane deserves to get in. Um, Due to his influence, but I don't think that in ten years Pitbull should be up on stage getting into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame.
2: Well, I don't think Pitbull (laughs) should get into the Hip Hop Hall of Fame. Well,
3: he's one of the biggest selling artists. Cuban American Hall of Fame, absolutely. Oh, definitely.
2: Or, or
3: like I I just I'm just and and that's honestly unfair to Pitbull. I don't want to point him out specifically, but there's like. When, when the influence of what actually rock and roll was—if you want to—it has to be defined at somewhere. And also, other things can come out of it culturally, and you should be able to talk about that. And there is some merging, but things that are going on now is very
0: divergent from but still, rock and roll. But there's are still culturally impactful, big, significant things going on. But their names are Beyoncé and Kendrick Lamar. And, and the, the One what, Direction. The, no, not One Direction. No, I'm like they Yeah, I know. Okay, they sorry. broke up. But, I, um,
3: <laughs> but how much do you know about? Like Ken, we can get into this, but I think by the by by the time Kendrick Lamar is up, the Hip Hop Hall of Fame should have its own building and be way more popular. And they should just change the York. name of
0: the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame to the like Sweet Music Hall of Fame. But
3: Rock and Roll was a thing that exists and died. And it mm-hmm. should be preserved. And that, you, you don't have to continue to, to try to make it current and relevant.
0: What rock and roll did lives on in other forms of music.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. And that should be talked about in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But I don't think that this. I don't, I don't think it. I, don't, I think you can. It's
0: basically like the, the, the history of cool pop music museum. It's basically what it is. Once, do,
1: you, once you start segmenting it like that, it's very hard to draw the line.
0: Yeah. Like
2: what
1: gets in and what doesn't? Well, we
0: do yeah, that that's all the time. I'm, that's why I'm
2: usually not a, a fan of drawing too many lines. Why not just call it the Music Hall of Fame? Because or the, you, or the J, pop, pop JD music just, just said Hall of Fame. Sweet Music Hall of Fame. Yeah, like yeah. Cool, cool, influential. Although then you might have to put Frank Sinatra in.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Isn't he in already? I don't know. Is he? I'm gonna look it up Should Well we move at? on. Let's move on. Uh, anyways. Yeah. LL Cool J should go.
3: Of course. Yes. Because he was with Def Jam and and that was very much, they were, it was part of an influence. Yeah. Anyways, whatever. Huge
2: influence.
5: Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Rock and Roll Hall
4: of Fame. Roxy Music. Roxy Music.
5: I could feel at the time There was no way of knowing
2: Music nerds have been waiting a long time for Roxy Music to finally get nominated, and it seems like we'll be waiting a much longer time for them to actually get in, unless the Hall of Fame decides to make, like, baseball and put special committees in charge of underrepresented areas like British rock. Call it the Briti Committee.
1: The Baseball Hall of Fame made an exception for British baseball players?
2: No, they make, they make, they make special committees to uh, look at underrepresented areas. Like certain decades of like, like players designated hitters? They yeah, they might look at that. They might look at like eighties guys who got overshadowed by the steroid abusers of the nineties and then didn't get in sure. because they didn't look as good.
1: Maybe we'll finally see Matt Noakes get his get his yeah. what's due.
2: Oh, you Alan Trammell got in uh just recently because they took another look at like, oh, the writer's fucked up. He belongs in the Hall of Fame. He was really good. I'm on the Unremarkable Catchers Committee. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Cool baseball card photos.
2: (laughs) Billy Ripken's fuckface bat would be my number one choice. He could be in the Baseball Card Hall of Fame. Uh, Anyway, Roxy Music spent around a decade as one of the most influential and creative bands in the UK. Prior to a comeback tour in 2005, The Guardian published an article calling them the second most influential British band ever after the Beatles. But Roxy didn't make as much of an impact over here, so if you're not familiar, let's catch you all up on still more criminally underexposed British brilliance.
5: In every dream home, a heartache.
2: (sighs) All right, here we go. What's this one called? It's called In Every Dream Dream Home, a Heartache. Ah, um early roxy music straddled the worlds of art rock and glam or high and low culture if you will most of the band had attended art school they were heavily influenced by andy warhol's pop art aesthetic including but not limited to the music of the velvet underground Lead singer Brian Ferry was a working-class lad from the Newcastle area who grew up loving American soul and jazz.
5: I'm just a working-class man from Newcastle who loves American soul and jazz! But home was-
2: I can Not play. A, I can play Castlevania
1: to this. It this is so cool.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's really
2: fucking cool. Uh, Brian also used his interest in fashion to craft a persona that was equal parts cosmopolitan, sophisticated, and sleazy lounge crooner for the band. Like Neil
0: Hamburger, pretty much. Yeah, yeah.
2: It's pretty much the same thing. Fewer jokes
1: about the Chili Peppers and semen. <laughs>
2: For Roxy's iconic early appearance on Top of the Pops in 1972, performing their first single, Virginia Plain, Ferry wore a black sequin top, leather pants, and silver eyeshadow, and became an instant glam star. And for most of Roxy Music's history, he's the dominant creative force. But early on in their career, this period that we're listening to right now, there was another important creative visionary in the band, and that was Brian Eno. Yeah, that's right. If if Roxy Music does get elected, that would also put Brian Eno in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, finally. At the start of his career, Brian Eno played some very rudimentary synthesizer and did sound treatments, as they called them, behind the mixing board. And to make up for his not really doing much live besides twiddling knobs, his stage persona was even more of an androgynous, futuristic space alien than David Bowie, and with more feathers... Uh, and apparently In contrast to his image As the brainiac Who invented ambient music This version of Brian Eno Fucked so much pussy That Brian Ferry Got jealous This version of Brian Eno Fucked so much pussy That in 1974 He ended up in the hospital with a collapsed lung from trying to fuck six groupies in a night, or something along those lines, it's hard to exactly confirm over
3: Google. I think he but was doing it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the old lung fucker. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if anybody had the talk with him. Yeah. <laughs> He was, he was trying to figure it out and he failed. <laughs> you guys ever play that
1: game at a swimming pool called uh, Six Dudes on a Whale? Where you get one of those inflatable whales to try to see if you can get six dudes on it. I think Did he was you guys doing... make that game up? I don't I doubt it. I mean that's a pretty popular game. Um maybe he was trying to do the opposite, like six chicks on a on a fella. And he uh, hurt his lung.
3: Hmm. Still I don't think he knows how it works. Huh. I, th- I
2: couldn't find a description of how he was trying to fuck all these groupies. It was like one after the other. Well,
3: I can tell you. At the same time. I just, I just, <laughs> I <laughs> he just, was seduced that he tried to fuck him with his lungs.
1: No, I think, <laughs> I think he tried what? to fuck him while having that haircut and got stabbed in the lung.
0: <laughs> What uh, what, what was that uh, Chuck Negron from Three Dog Night? What happened to his dick? He broke it? So yeah, he like snapped it. Oh, okay. Yeah, it seems, seems like the same kind of story. Something yeah. you just kind of lie about to sound like more of a... To make Brian Ferry mad, you're like, I collapsed my lung getting fucked by six girls at once. How many girls did you fuck last night? Five. Brian Ferry. And
3: Brian Ferry's- Five. Whoa to.: Yeah, he was so
0: very zero, we one. Uh, yeah, Bri- I Brian, made that Brian Ferry really
3: flip his wig.: <laughs> Brian Ferry was so angered, he was filled with so much rage, he didn't question the, the specifics of the story. The whole lung <laughs> thing. doesn't make no, any sense. Should have thought about it a little bit. Well, before.
0: he needed, you know, he's got a... before kicking him out of so the band. Six, six, anyway, Steve,
3: okay, <laughs> you wait, go six,
0: six girls, you, you got two night. fingers, two feet, a dick, and then I guess a nipple, and then probably what the about girl, a nose, a nose, a nose, and a nipple. Anyway, the girl and the nipple probably collapsed his lung. So let about maybe he was wearing it. one of those chest dongs. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that was it. Yeah, it's like when you wear a strap on like a bra.
2: Yeah, I they, think they got those like chin dildos you can put on. Yeah,
3: but for your chest. Yeah, okay. I'm pretty sure he thought he was at an orgy, but was actually at a CPR class. <laughs>
5: <laughs> it, it seems like bust.
3: the same thing. Oh, everybody's kissing in here, and then he just all of a sudden a couple of these mm-hmm. on, right on the old chest <laughs> cavity, and you're yeah. in the
0: hospital. If I pretend to be one of these dummies, a lady will kiss me. Then he accidentally goes into the chest-pumping room. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I'm really glad I did my research on this. (laughs) There's six ladies in this room. I'll make love to them by pretending to be a dummy.
1: Yeah, that's problematic now. That's like the scene in Revenge of the Nerds when you're tricking ladies and having sex with you. Uh
0: All right, we've worked on that long enough. (laughs) (laughs) So let's
2: talk about this particular song. This is, uh, 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 I picked this one to epitomize the Eno era. It's uh, In Every Dream Home, A Heartache. It's from their second and final album with Eno, For Your Pleasure, which is their weirdest and most experimental album. And a lot of people would call it the best of a very strong overall catalog. Um, This song is a creepy satire of the Upper, upper class bunker mentality that's bound up in their real estate holdings and then halfway through it turns into a love song to an inflatable doll uh, Ferry croons to his vinyl skin lover over this, this weird Farfisa organ backdrop that you can hear here and the result is disturbing as all fuck and then after uh, Ferry makes a double entendre about blowing the band explodes, if you will into a proggy instrumental coda, and when Roxy goes prog, it isn't really centered around super chops-heavy Can't solos like it, like a Yes or a Genesis, so it's a lot more accessible to non-musos. To it's stuff like this that made the brief Eno period a, a big formative influence on later electronic music, from synth-pop pioneers Kraftwerk to New Wave Weirdos Devo to avant-garde experimenters Cabaret Voltaire, and that's noth- That's to say nothing of Eno's actual production work for Devo and Talking Heads later on.
3: This, this song was also a part of a genre I will not get to. It was considered called Suburban Contemporary.
2: Oh, I re- yeah, I remember that. I, that was a good idea for, for a genre.
1: You just R. looked P. at me so, so meaningfully, Hunter. I did? Yeah. I was thinking about cheese.
3: <laughs> we got a whole well, bucket
1: of it. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of realized like, after I opened that up that you've had mouse problems in here. And I just brought eight pounds of cheese. That's fine. Just don't leave it on the ground.
3: Or if you do, put a trap, a little, uh, you know... Like a, little, a box a, with a stick, stick. yeah. A box.
0: Maybe I will put a, <laughs> a I'll, string. I'll put a piece in my electronic mouse slash rat trap over there. I met a
3: cop trap like that once oh, with a donut on hey, it. Hey guys, I hear a really good song being playing Oh right yeah, now.
0: yeah. We've moved
2: on to the next Roxy Music song. It's called "Love Is the Drug." Uh, eventually, Brian Ferry got tired of Brian Eno out peacocking him, and Eno left the band for a solo career. And if you haven't heard his Eno's early pop albums, like his pre-ambient phase, definitely check them out because they're brilliant. Uh, meanwhile. Uh, Brian Ferry got down to the real business at hand, which is putting hot models on all of uh, Roxy Music's album covers and banging most of them to get even with Brian Eno. The cover of their fifth album, 1975 Siren, which is what this song is from, uh, featured Jerry Hall, who dated Ferry before her more widely known relationship with Mick Jagger. And this was the biggest hit of their art rock period, uh, the Oddly Funky, Love is the Drug. It's about urban sophisticates having seedy sex. The first verse, the guy's trolling for prostitutes. The second, he's trying to get lucky at the singles bar, but it's all kind of the same in the end. Uh, it went to number two in the UK. It was their highest-charting single to that point. It became their only top 40 hit over here in the States, where it peaked at number 30. And if they aren't elected, that's the main reason why they had one hit and it peaked at number 30. Uh, this song itself, though, is already a member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as part of the 500 Songs That Shaped Rock and Roll exhibit, which now has more than 500 songs, so they changed the name.
0: Well, they, you know, they put these bands in, the, in, in, in exhibits like that. They just put them in the,
2: put them in. They put them in the exhibits like this because they're afraid that the voters won't have
0: the good sense to put the bands in. Change the voters. Gerrymander that motherfucker. <laughs> Who are the voters? Just journalists and, and journalists. I, I think, think the staff of Rolling Stone magazine from yeah, 1976. I, <laughs> I did. I
1: did some deep diving with people I know in that sort of world, like journalists and whatnot. And they didn't even know who they were.
2: Uh, I, I know I know that uh, Chris Molanphy, who does the Hit Parade podcast and listens to our show, and is a big fan. Uh, he is a voter. Come on, he's Chris. You know, know you
0: you know what uh, to vote he, for he, now.
2: I, I I look at his social media posts and I see who he voted he voted for last year. Like, oh yes, he's he we're in good hands with him. Okay, good. If only there were more of him.
5: Uh,
2: I want to talk about the bass line in this song because it's it's, it's real funky and catchy. Uh, Roxy Music did not really have an official bassist for most of their existence. The core members were Ferry, guitarist Phil Manzanera, saxophone and oboe player Andy McKay, Mackey. I'm not sure. I think I it's, it's it.
3: pretty sure it's McKay.
2: Okay. It looks like McKay uh, and drummer Paul Thompson. But this song, uh, which Nile Rogers cited as an influence on Sheik's disco classic "Good Times," uh, this so- the bass part here is played by John Gustafson, who, of course, we all remember from episode eight as a member of the hard organ trio Quarter Mass. Yes, <laughs> of course. Who can forget episode 8 of Beyond Yacht Rock. Uh, and This is where you can kind of hear the beginning of Roxy Music's influence on the pop end of 80s new wave and not just early synth pop. Um, it's particularly reflected in the new romantic movement, which was uh, lightly funky, soul-inflected, well-dressed bands like Duran Duran, ABC, and Spandau Ballet. Uh, Roxy went on hiatus for a few years after Siren so that everybody could pursue other projects. And if their recorded legacy was just these five albums, they'd still be obvious Hall of Fame candidates, but they
0: weren't done yet.
1: JD, that's your cue. JD.
0: You guys know how hard it is to operate my computer now? Yep. (laughs) A
2: lot of of dead spots on that mouse pad.
1: Good thing you don't use it for work.
3: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: See, the, the joke is it's because he does use it for work
3: Oh, it was a oh. prank
1: No, no, no It was, it was a prank it was, uh, the You pranked him good, Dave The literal truth was the exact opposite of the implied truth
3: Hey Oh, he did a twist on it You it's guys Irony You guys, I hear a really good song playing right now Oh
2: Why, yes, it's Who's more this than button? this by Roxy Music Oh, they're good So let me get into what happened after they went on hiatus and came back Punk rock happened in Britain and started around 1976 and while punks generally respected Roxy for being a bunch of weirdos, that movement usurped their position at the cutting edge of music. By the time they returned in 1979, it kind of seemed pointless to try to recapture that territory and Ferry had been exploring disco and American R&B on some of his
3: solo albums in the meantime. Yeah, and you can tell from this video, he also learned how to dance during that time. He totally learned how to do. Mm-hmm. Go watch this video. It's uh, it's 1982,
2: and all the production value that. Implies. Watch out for
3: the plate hunter. Oh yeah. Well, I gotta hit it once.
2: So Roxy did three more albums during this comeback, and it moved They moved more into the pop mainstream. Uh, they dropped a lot of the ironic detachment from Ferry's elegant crooner persona, and this produced most of their biggest hits in the UK. Uh, it also laid more groundwork for the New Romantics, as well as a big chunk of the sophisti-pop movement that followed, which we've talked about on many of our Yachter and Yacht minisodes, as being mostly not Yacht Rock. Uh, but these these three albums weren't as consistent or creative, and they relied a lot more on supporting session players so this period tends to be looked down upon by, by a lot of their fans.
3: Like Andy Newmark, who's in a lot of Yacht Rock stuff.
2: Yes, and he was, I believe he was the drummer on this, uh, this song and this he album, was. as well as some other sophisticated Yes. Pop.
3: Before this episode, I was listening to this song a lot for some reason, and I because noticed it's great! That. It is a great song.
2: Um, the exception to those inconsistent albums is uh, Avalon, which is their final masterpiece from 1982. It's an unabashedly pretty, full-on makeout record for grown-ass yuppies with hi-fi stereo systems and top-quality cocaine. It's lush, smooth as fuck, and not yacht rock, and very, very synth-heavy. It's way more polished than the experimental stuff in their earlier days. All the art school weirdness is gone by this point, but it's also excellent in its own way. It's, it's kind of the beginning of the sound of adult pop for the Thatcher era in the U.K., Except that that's a good thing, despite my mentioning Thatcher. Uh, this was their third and final studio album to hit number one in the UK. It was also their only album to sell a million copies in America, although it took like ten years to get there. Uh, this song, more than this, is their last top ten hit in the UK. It might be my favorite song of theirs. It's really, it's, uh, it's just fucking addictive. Uh, it was covered for a decent sized hit in 1997 by the post-Natalie Merchant lineup of 10,000 Maniacs, and also karaoke by Bill Murray in Lost in Translation. Avalon is really the only non-sexy album cover they did. It's the back of a knight's head and a falcon, Depends on, on how over. you feel about knights yeah. and falcons. Yeah, you don't know well, what I'm into. It's the back of the heads. Yeah, you don't the back of knights' nice heads. That's the, okay. view of the, that's, that's the
1: view of a knight's head I want to see, exactly. if you know what I mean.
2: I hear that. That's also what Brian Ferry wants to see, because ever the suave ladies' man, he also banged the knight model on this cover because it was his girlfriend at the time, Lucy Helmore, wearing the helmet.
0: Ah, ah a switcheroo. <laughs>
2: he did a twist on it. Uh, after Avalon, the band broke up, Brian Ferry focused full-time on his solo career, which included a couple of full-on sophisti-pop albums during the height of that movement, which had been heavily influenced by his work. And he still releases an album every few years. All of them have charted in the UK. And meanwhile you can hear echoes of the Roxy music spirit in pretty much every art school rock band that's ever popped up in the UK since. Hear hear. Amen.
4: Put them in, for God's sake.
5: Rock and roll. roll. Hall of Fame. Fun fact. Fun fact.
4: On March 1st, 2013, Rolling Stones guitarist Ronnie Wood donated a pair of autographed pants with a hidden speaker in its pocket. The speaker plays his 2010 solo song, Fancy Pants, on a loop and is powered by a special plate on the floor that delivers electricity when museum goers dance to the song. The pants have been silent since March 2nd twenty
5: thirteen. Rock and roll Hall of Fame.
0: Rage Against the Machine Killing in the Name of this song I'm still a big meh on, on these guys. Were hall they nominated last year? Yeah, I think they were. Yeah,
1: we talked yeah. about them. I like Rage Against the Machine, but I don't think they're hall worthy.
0: Get, get out of my hall and go uh, protest, you hippies.
1: Although I really like uh, Tom Morello as a uh, guitar player. It's very yeah, he's a interesting. a really guitar player. Nothing else sounds like what he does.
3: Yeah, because he if can we're... can
2: go to the Guitar Player Hall of Fame.
3: No, these guys deserve to be in especially if you're putting in hip-hop acts. Because they were the first, they were the, really the most popular rock band to reverse engineer what would be like the scratching. That's his guitar playing, and that's what he's doing. Uh uh-uh. oh! They were the are the first rock and roll band to reverse Not. engineer the what was going on in hip hop and bring it back to rock and roll. So I think what, if you, what 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 in their what in their
2: recorded legacy do people remember besides this song?
1: Uh, that The one where they're Just another victim Of the in-house drive-by Mm-hmm Wrap mm-hmm. your head around that one um, They say jump You say how high Yeah Yeah
3: The end of Of The Matrix um, Was do, that them? Yep I do like I do like their albums I like all, oh. you know, I don't think I don't think they're necessarily that This is their biggest song But it's like What, what radio station I mean I mean, they you were,
2: can't play this on the radio. You can well, unless you bleep a bunch of it. But
3: yeah, I mean, it was like I don't know. Oh, I, I think just, they I deserve just don't to be remember in.
2: Any other single moment of theirs getting as big as this one song? The,
3: the bassist climbed up and at the MTV Movie Awards oh, yeah. and got kicked out of the band afterwards.
0: Imagine the fun they'd have in the hall. Yeah.
3: Okay. Yeah, they could climb. It's hard to climb a pyramid
1: tape type uh, roof. I know. You sold me, Hunter. They should be in. I can't go back to the uh, uh, the Luxor.
5: Rock and, rock and roll, Hall of Fame. Fun fact.
4: Fun fact. The estate of late rock star Bruce Springsteen demanded his autographed pants be put in a different room than Bob Seeger's autographed pants because he didn't want America to know what a fucking weak shrimp he was compared to eight foot tall Seeger.
5: <laughs> rock, rock and roll, Hall of Fame. There's
3: probably some truth in that. Yeah. yeah. Um.
0: Rufus featuring Shaka Khan. Here's her song, Tell Me Something Good. Let Shaka in on her own, that's what I say. Let her in on her own first and we'll she, visit yeah, she, Rufus.
2: She should she absolutely be in. She should be in in some... Whether it's as a solo artist or or with the band that she became the queen of funk with.
3: Yeah, I agree with Steve. I,
2: I don't know which it should be, but it, but she should be in. She was in the, some way. She
3: was the leader of this band, like... Just like the same thing with like Stevie Nicks, although I, it, like h- half of her hits are split, and probably more of her stuff is is. But when she was,
2: I think she has a better claim on her on her solo, solo
3: career stuff. getting her in than Stevie Nicks does. But this, is the spirit of rock and roll is being in a band. Just put put her in, let her. She was Rufus. I mean, she. They put her name on the front of it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, just put them in and. Don't let Rufus talk. Just let let her do all the talking and everything will be fine.
5: Rock and roll. roll. Hall of Fame. Fun fact. Fun fact.
4: The most eye-popping autographed pants in the hall belonged to Liberace, bedazzled in sequins and jewels. Museum goers are wowed by the disturbingly thick skid mark staining the butt.
5: Rock and Roll Hall of Fame.
3: I want to interrupt some of this zombie time Mm -hmm. and say that it would be nice to see a band that was led by a woman make the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The zombies weren't led by a woman. I'm not talking about the zombies. Uh, I'm talking about Chuck. There
0: hasn't been any. I
3: I don't know enough, but it's like, but most most female Mm -hmm. most most they're just i would like to see more yeah yeah. most yeah. female artists get pushed to solo projects and that's what they're known for and that's it mm-hmm. whatever let them go in as a band yeah where's the x-ray specs moment in the sun
0: yeah when you have women included with bands it's tina turner with ike not getting in by herself though yeah. Yeah. um zombies i nominated every year
2: i i say put them in already so we can free up the spot and nominate
0: somebody else I say, get it, get just get them out of here. Make some room for Steve Perry to be nominated. I don't want Steve Perry solo. The, the zombies are like the last
2: of the big, like, creatively important British invasion bands that aren't in yet. Just
3: fucking finish it off. Yeah, move on to glam. Get them yes. in. Yeah. Move on to f- move fucking on glam. To fucking,
2: forget the British invasion. End the British invasion. Move on to glam. Are and the kinks in? Underrepresentative. Yeah, they're in. Good. All right. Yeah, I don't, don't
5: care about these Devo.
3: That's Devo. Devo did whip it? (laughs) (laughs) Dave, you're taking us into hour two.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, good thing I didn't write very much. Uh, I'm a fan of Devo, and I was excited they were nominated for the Hall this year because it means I get to talk a little bit about them. they were innovators, influencers, and they were very prolific.
2: Oh, those are your three words.
1: Oh, that was it. Very
2: much earlier Call in the show. Call back
1: from the top. Almost like I planned it. Devo's from Akron. Not far from where I was born. And they're made up of uh, Mark and Bob Mothersbaugh, Gerald and Bob Casales, and Alan Myers.
0: Where's my brother?
1: Yeah. Well... If he's anything like My Alan... My
0: brother died when he was three. He yeah. was weird, too. He would have been great greatness band.
1: If his brother's anything like Alan or uh, one of the Casalises and one of the mother's boss, he's dead. Uh, they were replaced. They played. They broke up. Um, I'm starting with this song because it kind of breaks down the uh, ethos of Devo. The name Devo is based on the idea of de-evolution. And while Devo is very satrical in their nature, they do talk... About the idea that culture has reached its pinnacle and is starting to move backwards. People kind of forming tribalistic mentalities and no longer thinking for themselves. Still sounds rather poignant if you ask me. The guys came sounds up.
2: Sounds prophetic.
1: Yeah. The guys uh, came up with the idea of de evolution. Uh, came from a couple guys in Kent State in the 60s. One was Devo co founder Gerald Casal. Uh, they met Mark Mothersbaugh around that time and continued to develop this idea. After the Kent State shooting in 1970, the joke wasn't quite as funny. Um, I found several sources that state that that was the seat of inspiration for the band that was planted because of the massacre, including a quote from Gerald, who witnessed it firsthand.
3: I don't know. It sounded pretty, still pretty funny.
1: Yeah. mm mm-hmm. well, I mean, they
0: were those funny hats.
1: Yeah, and when, when only four people died in a mass shooting, it's considered a good day in this country. Yeah. So... Um, where were we? Um, oh, they talked, uh, Cassell talked about going from the idea of a peace-loving person who was angered daily that the government would lie to you about Cambodia and then kill unnamed kids that were protesting it, and then he went on to bitch about Trump and the intellectual, anti-intellectuals that support him.
3: Um, hmm. Hey, does he want to take my place on this podcast?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Devo just wasn't some new wave pop band they... They more had a message and an agenda. They kind of faced music a little more like the Clash or Crass uh, than, than with the bands that just like whip it. And this song, Jocko Homo, was their theme. It came from a pamphlet of the same name. Uh, it means monkey man and was supposed to debunk evolution. Do you
2: guys ever get but those? Not in the Bible way.
1: No. Do you guys ever uh, get those little uh, biblical comics uh, like Jack Chick Productions? Oh, yeah, the,
2: Jack Chi- the Chick, Chick Tracks. Tracks. Yeah.
1: yeah, Yeah. Sort of that sort of thing. Uh, this was one of the first songs that Mark Mothersbaugh ever wrote for the band, and he was very much a counterpoint to the anti intellectuals that I mentioned before. Also, if this isn't uh, a a measurement of its importance, Weird Al covered a portion of this in his very first polka medley, Polkas on 45. This is, in fact, the very first song, as long as you don't count beer barrel polka, by Yomir uh, Vejvoda. And that's the uh, depths of my uh, research on this song. I think we should move I on.
3: Would like, no, I would like to say something. Uh, I, Devo didn't know how pre- prophetic they were when they were talking about de-evolution and being very electronic mm-hmm. in what they're doing. And it's because it's probably the computer age is going to lead us to... Because we don't have to do anything for ourselves any, anymore. So mm-hmm. that's, that's going to lead the, the de-evolution.
1: Yeah, I'd agree with that.
3: And I think like
1: most... Uh, like the way the Beastie Boys started out as a joke and became very prolific... Um, I think Devo sort of did the same thing. Or like the way Eddie Murphy started just doing comedy and then became a oh, 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 cool oh, hey, I got some uh, bad Eddie Murphy news. Um, Paramount Ranch, where we filmed uh, Mr. Wong's laundromat exterior in the movie Norbit, burned Down.
0: Yeah, I heard that. That's mm-hmm. too bad. That was one of the greatest movie locations of all time. I mourned that, mm-hmm. I'm that yesterday, Norbit.
3: Dave. I didn't need that brought up today. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm in a bad mood.
1: I lost my wedding ring today. I'm just full of bitterness. Stop going to those. Oh. All right. Um, okay, here's my uh, little part two of the argument. These guys are musically fucking talented, man. These songs are complex. I was uh, working in Michigan a while back and my joke band was asked to play a show with a friend of ours who performs under the name Callie Kazoo. You can check her out at calliekazoo.bandcamp.com. She's a Devo fan and helped me pick my songs. Thank you, Callie. Anyway, since it was her show, we wanted to surprise her with a Devo cover of uh, Girl You Want. There, they said the name. One of my favorites. This is not intuitive music. The previous song, Jocko Homo, has the wackadoo seven-eight time signature and then dips into 4-4 for the call and response. Uh, this
3: one's all over the place, even it kind of sounds like a straight-up rock song. You guys, Dave's just regurgitating his arguments for the Ramones again.
0: Yeah, yeah. he's also saying my my band played a real complicated song. <laughs> cool. Well,
1: Well, let me tell you this part. Uh, while the uh, like real musicians in the band were practicing And I was across the country They decided to keep starting over every time they messed up And I think they practiced for two hours before they got through the song Which is really saying a lot because they didn't have me to slow them down And I sat in my, uh, my uh, house in Michigan Wherever the hell I was uh, And I was just trying to do this stripped down second guitar To the most simplistic thing that I could And I still never got it right
2: this so what your this this band also fits into my Steve Perry theory that you don't appreciate how good a band is until you try to do what they're doing.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely.
3: And we're like, hey, let's do this song. It's gonna be easy. You're talking about his pants, Steve Perry. Yeah. Try yeah. wearing pants like those. Yeah. You can't do it. Yeah, no. You no. Can't. Put that guy in the Hall of Fame.
1: <laughs> Man, there wouldn't be there wouldn't be room if they filled those pants out. Um, it's actually Devo that made me appreciate Steely Dan a little bit more. Well, I think of all that we we can all agree that Steely Dan is super uh, nerdy music. Why are you laughing at me?
3: You're so full of
1: shit. <laughs> You're so full of shit. Well, I got an audience here. I'm trying to... Came all the way to J.D.'s house. I brought some cheese.
2: Good thing we took an extra week to do uh, to do all the research yeah. for this episode.
3: We <laughs> had to do research. Just talk about how Devo's awesome. I yeah. don't have to tell how he made you appreciate Steely Dan. Now we well, I want to hear, hear this oh, argument. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, right, right. I'm, here. sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. I should have kept all a straight right, face. All right. well,
1: well, I think we can all agree that Steely Dan is super, super nerdy music by people that are perfectionists to the point of uber pretentiousness. There's something remarkable remarkable, about not playing everything in a simplistic fashion. It makes you appreciate what they're doing and how they're doing it, and they really ain't doing it the easy way. And they make it sound great.
3: You make a lot of good points, Dave. Thank you.
1: <laughs> yeah. <I agree. laughs> um, okay. One of the other uh, things I look for in a band is uh, deserving for the rock hall is the greater body of work. Bands like the Beatles are known for their work long after they broke up as a band. Blah blah blah. Uh, But Mark Mothersbaugh is probably more famous as a composer than he ever was as a member of the band. He did all the music for the Rugrats TV show and, of course, those Wes Anderson movies. I think he did the Last Thor movie as well. Uh, He
0: kind of he kind of has a uh, like a like a TV scoring company. Like people hire him and they think that they're getting him, but he's got a bunch of other composers who work for him and. Yeah, no he's words. got a bunch of. Uh, he did the music for I think Blue Mountain State. He did the score music. I think mm. he just does everything. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, And I'll tell you who it pissed off was Gerald Cassell. Uh He claims the soundtrack career is the antithesis of what Devo was about. I got a quote here because I was trying to fill out the page. Uh, Once Mark Mothersbaugh wasn't interested. In what Devo meant, or being Devo, he just decided on a commercial career of doing scoring. Well, that's apples and oranges to what Devo was. I directed a lot of commercials.
0: (laughs) I refuse to put any music in them.
1: But that's more of a secondary creativity. (laughs) You did not initiate this idea or this product, but you know your talents are being sought to solve a problem. And they tell you what you want. It's the same thing in scoring, of course. Can you can you make this sound like Danny Elfman? Yeah. Yeah, Gerald, he can, because he's really fucking good. Uh, you're paid a lot of money to solve problems. Uh, anyway. Um, one of the reasons I chose Devo is I recently got into them in the past few years after only hearing, like, just knowing, like, top five, six, seven songs, and god damn it's great it's one of my favorite things is discovering the amazing deep catalog of a band you thought you already knew like somebody that hears t-rex hears bang a gong or rider white swan and then you just unfold like all these albums of greatness and that's what devo kind of was to me this is uncontrollable urge off of uh this is off of are we not men isn't it first one yeah yeah, yeah. So yeah. same, same one as jocko Holmes. yeah
0: all right, I got. And you I know what? About, I want to talk. Yeah, I want to just
2: quickly it. talk about how much I also love Devo. I got no. hooked on them in college by a, a weird friend of mine who was a, a big, a big uh, fan of the Church of the Subgenius. Mm-hmm. And you could see uh, uh, the Subgenius uh, logo mascot Bob Dobbs yeah. in a couple of Devo videos. Uh, and I had, uh, I had a reputation around the All Music Guide offices. Boy. Biggest Devo fan I've ever met. (laughs) I was just sort of a a weird, like, who would get that into Devo? And the answer is me, because they're fucking weird, and I love it.
3: Yeah. You know what? And And while they're weird, they also made a song, the song Beautiful World, which is an amazing song that should get them in just for that, to be able to write a song that beautiful. Yeah. And still be Devo at the same time. Also... I learned a lot from what Dave said They have a classic rock and roll asshole In their group (laughs) And that deserves to be in the Hall of Fame
1: Um, I I have a little bit more Here on my sheet than you guys do on yours Um, I wrote that they uh, sort of brought in A new era of electronic And sonically Futuristic compositions Hmm. uh, That sort of set the stage For a lot of modern music Uh, Today bands Sound like 80's nostalgic This is what they're trying to sound like um, and few know it.
2: Did, yeah. Did we I ever mean, introduce this song?
1: Uh, it's uh, uncontrollable. Yeah, I said it.
2: Okay, and yeah. then stumbled through yeah, remembering what Yeah, it's about, about nerds jerking off.
1: Yeah. Uh, jerk jam. Yeah. Um, absolutely. But you know, you listen to Radiohead and you hear a lot of elements of Devo in it, and you find that in so many bands. And well, as I just said, that are doing that sort of '80s throwback. This is this is kind of what they're trying to do. I mean, even Weird Al admitted to. Uh, Dare to be stupid. He was just trying to write a perfect Devo song, and Mark Mothersbaugh admitted he did it.
0: Well, Mark Mothersbaugh, he does film scores, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, hey, yeah he's not you a know? commercial director like, like, like people
1: with their, their true integrity. Um, cool. Anything else? Yeah, that's about all I got. Yeah,
0: the Hall of Fame. All right. Um.
1: I really, I really feel Devo more. I probably feel more strongly about them than anyone else on this list. Other than right. Janet Jackson, that they should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame.
0: Well, it. I'm guess what one of yours is for this feature. The, well, if we were voters, which five would make our ballots? I would vote for Janet Jackson, Def Leppard, The Cure, Run Grinn, and Radiohead. Steve? Uh, my first, my top three would be my heart, my heart bands. Uh,
2: Roxy Music, Def Leppard, and Devo. I know that the Devo slot... Intellectually, I know the Devo slot should go to Kraftwerk, but I just fucking love Devo. And then for the other two... It's really hard to narrow down the choices between all the deserving artists, so I'm going to go with uh, genre picks, and I'm going to pick The Cure for alternative rock, and I'm going to pick LL Cool J for hip-hop. Dave, fast as you can.
1: Uh, my ballot would go Devo, MC5, The Cure, Janet Jackson, and Roxy Music, but if I'm predicting what would get in, it would be a different list.
0: Yeah, no, we're different. not trying to do that. Steve are you, Hunter, did you think of with this? I vote present. Okay, great. <laughs> um, who needs to be nominated for last year? It must be different Next last year? year. Next year. And hey, listen, you guys wrote a lot of stuff here. You get to pick one band. One band. Nope. Iron Maiden. One band. Nope. I have a bunch. All right, last.
2: We're, we're going to talk. No, uh, okay. I'll go fast. Go fast.
0: Go.
3: Do you, am I, uh, Steve's, go. Steve's stuff is there first. Go, right. Steve.
2: Previous voters, guys, I've I've bitched about heavy metal. I've bitched about alternative rock. I've bitched about female artists. I'm going to bitch about hip-hop this year. Outcast was eligible to be nominated for the first time this year, but they were left off because the committee knows LL Cool J should be in. They didn't want to split the hip-hop vote. We've been over that, uh, which is already somewhat controversial among the more, the more musically conservative voters. Hey, hip-hop, that's not rock and roll. Get LL Cool like J <laughs> in. Free up the hip-hop spot for other deserving artists. Outkast should absolutely be a no-brainer. They're geniuses. I can't think of any other hip-hop act with such a consistently great and musically varied catalog. But if not them, then nominate one of the other major groups that ought to be in, like the Wu-Tang Clan, who were eligible last year and didn't get nominated, or a tribe called Quest, or maybe Eric B. and Rakib.
3: Hunter. Okay, uh, so some of my other nominees were Toto, the Monkeys, and T-Rex, and I found out they'd never been nominated. Um, so here's 10 more that have never been fucking not even nominated, not even given a single chance. Uh, Di- and the monkeys should have fucking went in in the '90s. Yeah,
2: absolutely. It's just it's just Yon Wenner's yeah. vendetta against the monkeys, uh, basically.
3: Dick Dale, the Sonics, Jim Croce, Love, Harry Nilsson, the Carpenters, King Crimson, Cool in the Gang, the Doobie Brothers, and Thin Motherfucking Lizzie. Amen. But since JD is making me pick one, I'm going to pick Carol King. Who's been nominated once. Oh, Jesus Christ. Really? In 34 years. Those other people, oh, those, by the way, the people that I just named, they've, they're the only, I've only picked people that had at least 20 years to be nominated. None of those people were even nominated in 20 years. Carol King should be in just for tapestry alone if you're just forgetting her songwriting and she's been. Nominated once in thirty-four years. Why are you Somebody burn down this fucking place. It is dumb. Why are
0: they nominating Rage Against the Machine when Carol King's not in? Also, don't burn because the Tom is on the down. nominating committee. There's a lot of, a lot of very pr- lot hurt. of priceless pants in there.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, Thin Lizzy and Iron Maiden to me are obvious, uh, just based on the bands they've influenced. Not to mention how no other band sounds like them, even though so many try.
0: Um, we're going to put the second most successful artist of the 90s into the Hall with Janet Jackson. So why not the most the most successful artist of the 90s and the most beautiful woman of all time, Mariah Carey. Let's get her in the Hall of Fame. Well, let's get Whitney Houston in the Hall of Fame, too. Willie Nelson's not in, not in the yeah, Hall of Fame. That's... Willie Nelson's not in the Hall of Fame. All right. Uh, next episode. Uh, that's on you? Yep next episode ironic dynamite bands they think are funny but they have songs that actually kick ass Um, uh, thanks to Jeff Selby for turning in the bumpers let's see if he wrote an email to me for what he wants to plug Mm -hmm -hmm. more than this more than this yep okay nothing to plug all right all right (laughs) thanks Jeff uh, how about
3: your f- orangutan we never plugged that there. Uh, yeah yeah um, I'm tr- it was, gotta get a kickstarter going somebody
0: start up a, ki- somebody start up a kickstarter yeah somebody got- I
1: started following uh, Emo Phillips on twitter and he really is worried about coconut oil and having a Christmas free coconut oil because of it endangers the already endangered orangutan and I think I have a solution for this and that solution is your orangutan where you can come to my shop your orangutan first you pick your monkey second you pick your stylist and then you just go have a show you have to show the monkey a good time it's going to be great you get to spend the afternoon with a monkey bj the bear it's going to be bj and you thank you you're jeff r- Selby, for, Selby for the time
0: go to yachtrock.com for a very useful experience send questions via twitter at yachtrock like yachtrock on facebook follow beyond yachtrock on instagram rate and review us on apple Podcasts. themes don't don't even worry about it we're almost done don't bother with the review Themes and Bumpers by Rob Crow, Mark Rivers. Thanks to producer Matt Bruce. So, was BJ the monkey or was the bear the monkey? Great question. Will never be answered. Hmm. Bear.
5: It's a good show.